0: listening to an OTB AM podcast. You can watch the show or listen live every weekday morning at 7:45 AM. Subscribe to the OTB AM podcast stream for more stuff just like this. And a very good morning to you. Welcome along to Tuesday morning's OTB AM very busy show for you this morning. Loads of GAA coming your way. Uh, more from Cork. We're going to speak with uh, Brian Cuthbert, the former Cork manager, is now part of the steering committee designed to try and uh, bring Cork football forward into the future. Oh, and how are you? Very well. How are you keeping? I'm very well. Any crack? Your love letter to uh, Joey Carvey is flying at the gates in, uh, on YouTube on um, Facebook.
1: Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Good for that. Yeah.
0: That's what I had to say.
1: I've said my bit. And again, you know, just full full of gratefulness this week. Uh, as I said yesterday, it is an Irish Thanksgiving for, for all Munster Rugby fans.
0: Yeah, but you're, you're like... Somebody did point out yesterday that you know, it's all because of you. You're the real MVP. You're, um, thank you. Really, thank you. You're getting a bit cocky about this now. You're like, the team just have to show up this weekend and show a real saunter on through to the uh, quarterfinals. Yeah, like winning in Home was basically it. Exeter,
1: Chief, Champions League, or Champions Cup, Chokers, showing up in Thomond Park. Uh, even without Peter O'Mahony, you could probably take another five or six front-line Munster players and still still get the job done this weekend. Mm, see, that's the type of stuff that um, they call that hubris, Owen. <sighs> hubris, schmubris, as they say. Uh, as, as my saying goes, Munster are going to be fine.
0: Uh, OK, let's talk a little bit about Declan Rice and um, Ireland penning another love letter. Somebody in the uh, FAI deciding that yesterday was the opportune moment to go and yeah, you know, we, know, we know from the Yaya Toure story... The birthdays are important to footballers. Yes, extremely important. And when, when the story comes to be written, here's the, here's the uh, picture. Yeah, happy birthday to Arden International at Underscore Declan Rice. You think now at this age his representatives would be able to? Dear Twitter, we would like the at Declan Rice handle. Thanks very much. Who is that Declan Rice? The I one? don't know. I mean, but it's not the right one. They, you know he's he's like an important Premier League footballer now. Yeah. Soon to be England captain. <laughs> It's the best thing a social
1: media person has done for a football organisation, I think, in recent times. Ooh,
0: Declan Rice follows us. And it is... What if we were to get that Declan Rice handle and give it back to the real Declan Rice on con- one condition? You play for Ireland. Yeah, I mean, come on, what could possibly go wrong with this plan? I think that sounds it's like genius. a pretty good trade-off. I
1: don't see It'd any reason... Us doing our bit for the national cause. Absolutely, as the FAI representative has done for their national cause yesterday... Like, it was a very, very good thing to do, right? I don't understand why you could say it was a stupid thing to do, why it was unnecessary. It was very necessary because
0: we need more moments like this, I think. I mean, like, really, if Declan Rice decides not to play for Ireland on the basis of the fact that we tried to, you know, tempt to witness by a happy birthday tweet, then maybe Declan Rice was never intended to play for Ireland. Yeah, yeah, it's true.
1: Like, it's I'm sure he'll find a funny side of it. Like, just the waiting game everybody played yesterday... To actually see what he like the tweet has uh, that happened yet? I don't think it has. The waiting game that Nathan Murphy played yesterday. I don't know if you were. I was following it, following so Nathan's tweets. It was literally the only thing I did yesterday afternoon. Was <laughs> w- w- wait
0: for one new notification to come on Nathan Murphy's uh, Twitter page. So Nathan doesn't work on a, a Monday in the office. He works very hard from home. Clearly, well, he doesn't. He minds his children. That's like that's he's got he's got con- full control of the entire family unit because his missus is out working, and I'm like, what you you're what. Yeah you're like not paying any attention to your kids. You're literally, all you're doing is like scrolling through the likes that Declan Rice has made on Instagram to see what he's been liking. Well, see, that's the very thing. Declan Rice is all of
1: our kid. He, we, we are all a parent of Declan Rice at this point. It is our duty to look at what he's doing, look at what social media posts he's interacting with, and trying to gauge what decision our kid is going to make. It's important. I, I, I'm not sure about you. I'm sure you care about your children. I care about my children too. Declan Rice is one of my kids and he's, he's all of ours. So I think he, Nathan Murphy spending his Monday surveying what he's doing was a certainly a productive way to spend the day.
0: Declan Rice is right now liking happy birthday messages on Instagram but has yet to like the FAI post. I need to get a life. Hashtag journalism. No, you know, this is the life. 633 likes. Uh, all the millions of euro and thousands of hours that Will spent... Oh, typo. That will spent on Irish football over the next decade, and yet it still feels our future success boils down to a twenty year old lacking a happy birthday tweet. Ireland never wore this jersey when Declan Rice was with the squad. He would like and finally worked it out, and um, then there you go. How many messages can one man like? Uh, underscore Decker's ten is the um, is the one, and then there you go. This is like seven hours later. Nathan is still at this. Declan Rice has returned online within the last ten minutes and liked six photographs, but not the one from the FAI. I can only assume he spent the last few hours in a deep meditative state. He's back online seven hours after that. Still no like. Fairly sure he's gone offline again. More to follow. And has there been any more to follow? That's 20 hours ago at this point. Oh, sorry, it's 13 hours ago was the most recent one. And then Steve McCarthy went, uh, Declan Rice shot for FAI Ireland in May. Ah, well that debunks... Well, that makes sense. That debunks Nathan Murphy's That theory. makes sense. You've got a new jersey coming out. You get everybody in the room for, before the friendlies. You get the photographs taken and then you release them later on in the air. It's like... I, there was part of me that genuinely
1: believed that he had lined up for that photo shoot in like September or something um, but obviously not that, That's uh, so at least we've managed to get rid we should, of that we,
0: we should talk about this now because right? it's reaching the point where Gerard uh, Piquet's production company or ESPN should be making a live La Decision mm-hmm. what's the Irish for decision we're just
1: stunned silence here caught me off guard yeah I really, uh, really don't know. Anyway, we don't need to call it the Irish. We can just call it the Irish decision. Working Kina. title. Could that be right? What, what's it called? Kinna. Kinna, maybe. Let's go with Kinna, on Kinna. Featuring uh, Declan Rice. But What's Declan Rice in Irish? Whatever it is. Tommy
0: went to a call, so there's no excuse for him.
1: We can just, we can just run with this. Like, the storyline has to be... I really hope it, there's a Fly in the Wall documentary being made right now with Declan Rice just looking at an iPad, laughing at all of us. I really <laughs> hope that that's the situation. And he's kind of going from day to day. Uh, you kind of, This is your pitch to try and get involved, isn't it? Well, obviously. I've, I've already pitched it to multiple production companies. Here's the idea. We go follow a 20-year-old around with, with a camera, and he doesn't know what we're doing yet, but we're about to watch him pick Ireland over England. Like the, the incident at the end of La Decision involving Antoine Griezmann, uh, kind of shows a, a, a sweet camera pan and he's standing outside the Wanda Metropolitano. Like Declan Rice standing outside the Aviva Stadium. I, if anybody spots Declan Rice standing outside the Aviva Stadium with a camera floating around his head, you know he's made the decision to play for Ireland.
0: But that could just be the alternative ending, you know, like for um, the, for loads of for loads of EastEnders Christmas Day specials. What? They would film alternative endings where, like, you know, one of the brothers, one of the Mitchell brothers dies or, like, the... All Vic goes up in flames, and you don't know which one they're actually going to use. Let's do full Black Mirror, Declan Rice, where
1: you actually get to choose the ending. So at the bottom of the screen it'll appear England or Ireland, and whoever decides to go with the, the Ireland storyline gets the Ireland storyline, and whoever gets to
0: go with the England storyline gets the oh, England storyline. it's story the future. It's just a, like a long-term... Pick-your-own-ending television show. Proper, The sliding doors moment doesn't actually happen. Both alternative realities exist, multiplying into... Ever increasing numbers of realities. In fact, we're just inside some child's dream right now. Exa- that's exactly what was coming to my mind as well.
1: How, how did you manage to think that? Uh, it will be kind of a, a footballing because we're version of. By higher power. We could just do like a footballing version of The Only Way is Essex, where it's kind of this hammed up version of reality and we're actually filming two concurrent things, where Declan Rice is an Irishman and Declan Rice is an Englishman, and you can choose whichever storyline you
0: want to follow. Does any of this, matter? Does any of this matter anymore? Like, we're, we'll be grand without Declan Rice, really. No, we won't. We'll achieve the same we're level. are going to of- die. <laughs> well, that's true. I
1: mean, that's... We're going to die very, a lot quicker if Declan Rice doesn't come on board. He can save the Irish people by joining us.
0: What would happen? What are, the, what are the actual consequences of this decision? Continued mediocrity for Ireland. If he plays for us? If he doesn't play for us. Is like, he, is he a, a
1: Jenga piece that transforms our fortunes? I think he kind of is. I, certainly in a, in a few years' time when he's reached that level of confidence of being a top Premier League player, if he continues the way he's going if he gets that big move and becomes a starter for a top six club which isn't outside the realms of possibility at this point I think everybody's talking about him playing for Man
0: United or Man City it's like to
1: be he's fair, 20 oh, okay well here's the thing if he joins Manchester City now say if you put him right in that team he doesn't get into the starting 11 does he
0: not get a load of games at centre back?
1: potentially like the second leg against Burton with a, a 9-0 advantage he, 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 he like gets that game for sure but he's probably going to be 22 by the time he becomes a regular in the team. Fernandinho With another season there. I'm not sure he gets in ahead of John Stones and Laporte, to be quite honest with you, at this point. Of course injuries come into play. And then he's fighting with Ilkay Gundogan for the spot when Fernandinho leaves. Or they potentially sign somebody else. And he probably beats Gundogan to that particular position. Right. I know I'm using Manchester City as the example here. And you could use any other
0: team in the top six. Man United get straight in the team. <sighs> Like, it's, are, it's are close it's, enough to it, right? It's
1: easy to say right now that he is a better football player than Matic and Herrera, but I want to see him in the Manchester United team and see him playing in the system that they play in and seeing him up against teams that are constantly uh, like playing out of their skin to beat you, like Manchester United are always playing. Like, Obviously, he has the potential to be, from an Irish perspective, one of the, the best talents of the decade.
0: So you're saying that we go from being a... Uh League of Nations Division 3 team to a League of Nations Division 2 and not fighting relegation, but maybe occasionally getting into... The like t- that's, is that the
1: that's, that's not that big a gap. It's the three teams impact. in the division. Well,
0: it's third tier to first tier. Nearly
1: first tier. OK, so the way we are at the moment, we should be pushing for a promotion to Division 2. So we will, I, I would like to think we'll be back there next time. Yeah, when does that group get made? Uh, the, the, next, uh, the next qualification. Right. Uh, so we've got to wait a while yet, but I, I would say, with or without Declan Rice, we will be pushing for promotion to Division Two. And then it's kind of like, what sort of form are we in for those few months? Like that—that's the difference between Division One and Three. It's like, okay, okay, okay. So you're saying it's not like the difference between League One and mm. Premier League, for example. I, think,
0: I mean, it, the, it, the like, golf
1: is, but in terms of actually climbing that ladder,
0: it's like getting yourself into the, to the second. We tier. qualify for tournaments every campaign. He plays eighty percent of the games in. I would say he, 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 he,
1: gets he increases our chances massively because it, it is against a team... Massively, give me a percentage.
0: Like, make a... Make a tell us. Explain. 15%. Ah, that's, that's, that's a
1: sizable jump.
0: That's nothing.
1: For one player, 50... OK, let's go to 20%.
0: Like that's one-fifth, uh, one-fifth of games. How likely is it that we qualify for every... So at the moment, it's like not likely. We qualify once every three or four tournaments. Put it to you this way. If Declan Rice was in the squad for the World Cup qualification
1: campaign, would we have won in Tbilisi? There's a much better chance we would have done. Would we have got something at home against Serbia? Or perhaps got the three points in Serbia when we were in a decent enough position? Chances are we might have done. Like he, he improves our chances in those games. Does he take us to become yeah, contenders with England and Germany and France and the Netherlands? Obviously not, because we're Ireland. We always will be Ireland. Do you, do you love him more than you love Joey Carberry? Uh, they're equal at the moment. If Declan, okay, if Declan Rice picks Ireland, I would love him more than Joey Carberry.
0: Here is uh, Keith Andrews talking yesterday at the launch of the Spar FAI Primary Schools Fives programme. Uh, Jamie Moore caught up with him and got his take on the Rice FAI tweet.
2: Well, he is an Ireland the international <laughs> um, and hopefully he remains an Irish international. I have to be honest, I would have been one of the ones that was angry when he first decided to press pause on his on his international career and look at the option of England and just look after club form for the time being that that's certainly decreased in recent months and I'm just hopeful that he can come back and play for us because I think he'd revolutionise the team I think he's that good and seen a lot of them underage for Ireland 21s didn't really surprise me too much how well he adapted in, in the three internationals that he played a
0: couple of Man of the Match awards one of them which I gave him um, fingers crossed yeah fingers crossed indeed here's what's coming up we're going to uh, bring you through the sports pages Brian Cuthbert who is part of the steering committee who've been charged with revitalising Cork football over the next five years he's been part of that five year plan he's going to talk to us about that and indeed the rule changes uh, within Gaelic football which the decision of which is uh, coming sometime around the same time Declan Rice makes his decision uh, Conor McGregor versus Paulie Malanagi are we going to see the fights or not, and would you watch it if it's on? Of course you're going to watch it if it's on, right? But do you want to see it? Like, is it the type of thing that, Oh, yeah, I will actually pay 19.99 of my own money to watch this? Uh, Komogi 2019, some changes required, some rule changes perhaps, and uh, a couple of young stars of the game, uh, going to talk to them around about 8.35 this morning, and 5 past 9, the uh, snappy quiz with, um, yeah, two stars of uh, Snapchat themselves, that's coming your way at uh, 5 past 9.00. Um, uh, Digger's been in touch this morning to say Sopranos type ending with Rice his Twitter will fade to black as he's announcing his decision and we'll be left wondering if Twitter went belly up thanks for a spoiling the ending of the Sopranos there Digger or if uh, David Gull shot him
1: hopefully we, I'll forget all that but I'm actually getting around to watching it is there like of limitations on when you can actually spoil something for somebody
0: yeah so what are we at 20 now years. 15 years 20, well I mean 20 from the start, start of it if you haven't started watching the Sopranos by now you're never going to do it right Owen I probably will right what? You're going to do it? Yeah, okay. I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it we as long as there's no
1: more spoilers from people like Digger out there. Yeah. Like ruining... Uh, so I expect a fade to black in the very last episode. That has destroyed everything. I have heard the ending is an amazing cliffhanger. You and Tommy are going to start watching this. But is it, is it like Tommy's one of like, those... like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus, shoot me now. Is it like one of those that it's kind of like... It's those Before Swine comes to mind here. Where, like, television after The Sopranos got increasingly better through the years. Obviously, The Sopranos is extremely important yeah. for being one of the first great television yeah. shows... But over time, are you like, that was great in its little prism at that moment, but ultimately time makes things better. Let's not
0: forget the fact that and you, television you, now is in a far better place than it was 20 years ago. Yeah, but you don't give any credit to the thing that invented it. Yeah, but... You not, see Citizen Kane oh, you no. go, oh, what's the big deal about don't this movie? Who cares? A jump cut. Oh, who cares? You totally, you. you totally
1: give credit to it, but people can take ideas and make them better. People can take the idea of a prolonged story about crime or about violence, and make a far better version of it. I'm not denying the importance give me of The Sopranos. The, give me these far well, I, I'm,
0: I'm not going to fall for the Go greatness on. of The Sopranos Go on,
1: right, right. based on but the quickly, idea. Quickly
0: give me three things, three hostages to fortune that you think are better than The Sopranos, without having seen The Sopranos. Go on. Game of Thrones is, is one <laughs> of those. Ah, <laughs> okay. Why, what's, what's so funny about that? Game of Thrones nowhere is... Nowhere near as good as The Sopranos. Go on. Are you saying that like, The Sopranos? Wow, that's, that, that is actually a hot take. It's right. nowhere near as good as The Sopranos, and anybody who's seen both... Knows that to be true. Well, I've, I've, I've watched all of The Wire,
1: and The Wire is definitely... I, and I know I'm kind of going back on my own point, saying that you know, television shows from 2001 are actually kind of crap, because The Wire is absolutely amazing. But uh, The Wire and Game of Thrones will be two of my favourite
0: television shows of that in Okay, and this is there a third one? Let's go with True Detective. <laughs> season one. Oh, well, okay. You, I mean, you qualify that. True Detective season one's grand. Okay, all right. We have The Hostages to Fortune. We'll come back to that. Uh, If anybody wants to uh, rain on Owen, um, feel free to do so. Here is, uh, is this the full thing of the Snappy Quiz, or is this just, okay, so here's just a little bit of the Snappy Quiz. This bit is, uh, we've launched a new quiz on Snapchat. It's a version of the crappy quiz. It's called the Snappy Quiz. Do you see what we did there? You can uh, follow us on Snapchat, and you can subscribe to that, and then we will appear in your feed, along with um, some other good stuff. Uh, But we did manage to rope in two of our superstars, Kevin Caban and Keith Andrews. Here's how Kev went when Owen posed a relatively straightforward question to him. Have a look.
3: Uh,
1: Kev, you are up. Name as many current Premier League jersey sponsors. You've got ten seconds. Go. Bloody hell! It's in
2: betting companies.
3: Honestly, yeah. Bet three six. I don't know. Jeez, I don't know. Honestly, I don't pay any attention to betting sponsors.
1: Oh, oh. oh. congratulations! <laughs> 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 I couldn't <even> get <laughs> it out there. That's incredible. Yeah. Did we get one? Is that one? Is no. that even one That no? was, no. was stoked. stoked. They're gone from the Premier League. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to help. So Chevy. Uh, let's let's go from an alphabetical order. To be fair, it's extremely tough. It was much easier yeah. ten years ten years ago. I think. Yeah. So AIA. I I, if you said to me from the eighties, I'd be yeah. going Hitachi, yeah. <laughs> <feel like>, uh, <laughs> Sharp. I'd be going all these sort of lines. Yeah. Yeah. Crown Paint. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's a clip from our Snappy Quiz, the Snapchat version of our infamous Crappy Quiz. Once you've finished watching and listening uh, to us this morning, open up Snapchat, swipe right and subscribe to Off The Ball on Snapchat Discover. Uh, we're going to post weekly episodes right there on the, of the Snappy Quiz. Time for the papers. Here is the examiner this morning. Okay, so, The Art of Management, Derek McGrath and the Intricacies of Being boss. This is um, from the coaching conference, annual coaching conference that the GA have at Croke Park. Derek McGraw was speaking, and um, he gave his speech. And that is an artist's impression; it's the animated sketch note. It was produced by the GA's e-learning project manager, David Sweeney, using the app Procreate and an Apple Pencil on an iPad Pro. It's pretty impressive because um, that's him; that's his note-taking of it, um, and you can kind of see. You can see the vast swathe of thoughts Mm. that possess one of the great minds in GAA uh, in the last three decades and one of the nicest and best people you're ever going to get to to meet. It's a real pity that Derry McGrath is out of management at the moment, but I've no doubt that the kids who are in his class and the um, hurlers who are hurling from at underage level are benefiting from the fact that he's taken a little bit of downtime to recharge his batteries. Totally.
1: Uh, John Fogarty speaks to him in the sports section of the Irish Examiner from the coaching conference on Saturday and McGrath kind of talks about that idea of recharging the batteries again, about getting yourself into a position where you're ready to invest emotionally in a bunch of players once again. He feels that if he went right into a county setup right now, there would be a fakeness to it. That it would be the sort of plastic relationship that he would enjoy with the players, which just further emphasizes how important People managing skills are to Derek McGrath's style of management. The way he interacts with his players is almost familial. He he's like a father figure to a lot of those players. And to do that so quickly after coming out uh, so recently from an intercounty setup, he feels would be kind of artificial. Uh, which is a remarkable thing to say, really one of the things like the, you could say that there is contradictions on that artist's impression on the front page of the examiner this morning but in actual fact it's just a lot of nuance saying that there is room for the egotistical while also uh, pushing forward the idea of collaboration quite a bit so uh, the, the power of the individual and how a collection of individuals uh, really kind of furthers the idea of the collective in that waterford camp is clearly something that, that is emphasized from that illustration
0: yeah yeah um such a pity that they didn't get over the line because then he'd always be able to talk forever as an Ireland winning manager and we are so stupid in our sport that we rate the hierarchy of achievements on the basis of the outcome of a single game and go, okay, well, you are an amazing manager and you obviously weren't as good as that manager. But actually, the truth is, like, the whole point of being involved in sport is that you win and lose and that uh, it takes two great teams to make a great game. Now, so moving on to the Irish Times, uh, Van Grand keen to second that emotion that's obviously uh, a preview of the weekend's games. They have um, Exeter, sorry, they just, just uh, sorry, yeah, Exeter hammered cash. So they've got Exeter this weekend at Thomond, but O'Mahony's odds of facing Exeter are 50 50 at best. He popped a rib. We talked to Alan Quillan about it yesterday. Pop. Ooh, ripped cartilage in my rib cage. Apparently it's very, very, very painful. Even the process of breathing would be painful with that. Yeah. And World Cup tickets are on sale, so if you're planning on going to Japan in uh, October to watch Ireland get beaten in the quarterfinals, then ooh, are we going start talking? We should start toning our chances down, shouldn't we? It's about time. It's about time. Like this, we there's, a, there's a
1: long summer to talk our chances down. We may as well get excited for now and then...
0: Yeah, so, should we do the opposite of tempting fate, or do we just say we're going to win the World Cup? Brazen it out.
1: Well, either way we look at it, it's definitely up to us. Whatever we do, we can definitely look back at it and say it was our fault when Ireland inevitably lose the quarter final. So, whatever route you want to do to, to take that. Just on the, the ticket sales, if you're an Irish sports fan who's in, say, ranges of things that y- you like your rugby almost as much as you like your GEA or vice versa or as much as you like your soccer and you've got a kitty put away for an Irish sporting event, this is kind of it, isn't it? World Cup in Japan. The, the World Cup quarter final is probably what I'm aiming for. If I could go to one sporting event this year, or even over the next few years, and again, I mean, you'd have to be kind of a, a, a rugby fan as much as you are any other sport, it kind of, it definitely is the one, isn't it? It's, it's a chance at seeing something truly historic. So I'd imagine there'll be plenty of Irish people, and not just the, the usual cohort of people who follow the Ireland, Ireland rugby team around the world, but kind of more people who are happy to hop on the bandwagon, if you can use that phrase, because... I'm sure they've watched them all on TV over the last couple of years. Now's the time, really, to get that money out. Yeah,
0: and the thing is, tickets are not going to be easily got. Um, apparently, the Ireland-Japan game is already effectively sold out, Gordon according to Gavin these piece today, and um, Japanese fans and sports fans and rugby fans in particular are expected to go to lots of games that don't actually just involve Japan. So, uh, if you want to get your hands on those World Cup quarterfinal tickets, now would be a good time. Category A tickets for that game against Japan... Are the same as quarterfinal tickets, starting at three hundred and twenty-three Euro for Category A, Category B two hundred and forty-two, Category C one hundred and sixty-one, and Category D eighty-one and twenty for kids. It's not cheap. It ain't cheap. Three hundred quid for a ticket. The London um, games, or the,
1: I should say, the UK games for the last one, were
0: fairly expensive as well, if I recall. Yeah, I think there's a lot of um, World Rugby and host nation deciding on prices, and it's like, yeah. We know most of the tickets will be bought by corporate entities. Did they sell out those of those games in England?
1: Actually, I can't really remember. I get the sense that there was emptiness for a lot of the crap games, but I'm sure that's always the case at the Rugby World Cup. But I'm sure anything involving the, the five good nations and the six <coughs> nations and uh, the, the tri-nations all went close to capacity at all times.
0: I see David Wagner has um, stepped away by mutual consent from his role at Huddersfield entirely unpredictable. No one could ever have predicted that with Huddersfield staring down the barrel of relegation they would no longer be managed by David Wagner. It's yeah, It's possible that anybody with a brain would have suggested that maybe it might be possible that an no owner of a club goes, look, I mean, it's great and everything, you've done an amazing job here, but like, we might actually get out of this thing if uh, you weren't stinking the joint out. It's probably a bit too late
1: at this point and it's going to become a relegation battle which isn't that exciting this year, I do fear. Because it's going to be a four-team battle for the drop. Now, I am getting ahead of myself in terms of the Southampton resurgence quite a bit and not seeing a team like Crystal Palace plummet into the bottom three. But I I really kind of see it as a Cardiff versus Newcastle shootout for 17th place at this point. And I think Fulham and Huddersfield are doomed. I don't think, no matter what appointment Huddersfield make, I think they're getting relegated.
0: Did you see the video of the Austrian truck? I did not. On Twitter? No. Loads of snow, truck driving through through, through the snow. It's got, like, loads and loads of views. It was all over your Twitter feed yesterday at one point. Don't really, don't really use social media that much. Fair enough. Um, Robert Flynn does, though, and he's just tweeted us. Hashtag OTBAM. Lads, at underscore Declan Rice has just liked this video. Does he have an Austrian granny? <laughs> I really hope not. Uh, okay. like,
1: remember when we were starting to get a little bit concerned about Matt Daugherty there for a while because of his uh, Dutch relatives? No, it's like we, we do have a, a a huge capability to get really really paranoid, and I'm not going to lie,
0: I'm feeling nervous after hearing about that Austrian truck driver <laughs> video. Uh, okay, so the there you go, the Irish uh, Indo O'Neill and Keane set for reunion at Forest. This is uh, box office from Nottingham Forest perspective. I wonder how often Roy Keane gets pushed out. Ever do you ever see assistant managers at um, at Championship clubs or anything? Uh, Ireland's call may influence decision on a mani. This is the notion that um, with the Six Nations just a few weeks away, the RFU will be keeping a keen eye on the progress of one of Joe Schmidt's crucial pack leaders. Um, I, like rest him, Andy. If he's not fit, rest him for this first the Six Nations games as well.
1: Yeah, like it obviously is a, a pivotal result for Munster at the weekend. Do they need Peter Matney to beat extra chiefs at home? I'm not sure they do. Not not in European competition, but. Uh like I, I, can, I can see both sides of the argument here. Munster might want to take that risk.
0: All right. Ulster in bid to track down zebo 's abuser. We'll talk about this uh, a little bit later on. And Rice's decision is due within the next 10 days, uh, according to John Fallon. So it might be uh, plenty of time before March. We, we're expecting to have to wait until March. Uh, Roberts compile misery on the Magpies. This is the FA Cup replay of Blackburn against Newcastle tonight. Back page of the Irish Daily Mail this morning is
1: Jesus closes the gap and Red's plan without O'Mahony For crunch tie. You've also got Philip Lanigan writing why access all areas is vital to GEA's future. Another piece around Derek McGrath at the GEA coaching conference at the weekend. Back page of the Herald is Jesus keeps faith. Double from City striker reduces Liverpool gap to four. And McGrath ruled out for six weeks. So that is as Luke McGrath, his knee injury means that he is going to miss at the start of the Six Nations. It's a medial collateral ligament strain. Back page of the Mirror is Don't Be Fools. Ince claims anyone could have stepped in to rescue United and Poch must get the top job. Paul Ince, as he tends to do, uh, out in force talking about Manchester United. This time he says uh, Manchester United should not rush into the idea of giving Ole Gunnar Solskjaer the full-time Manchester United manager's role. Back page of the Sun is not finished. Forrest back Martin to lead Revival. And smash and gap. Jesus scores two and hits the post. Manchester City 3-0 winners against Wolves last night. Andy Murray on the back page of the Guardian. The final act, they ask. Murray gives everything in Valiant defeat. The former world number one left the door ajar for a return after his first round exit in Melbourne. But an encore looks likely. Uh, the star, actually, I should mention, Sweet Jesus. Uh, Gabrielle dials up uh, double to pile pressure on Poole. The star joins the star as well. Kingdom giant Kieran Donaghy is their new football columnist. And then finally, the front page of the Daily Telegraph sports section, beaten but unbowed. If that was my last game, it was a brilliant
0: way to finish, says Murray, after his first round defeat. All right, we'll uh, keep you up to date with everything that's going on in the world of sport with Darren in just a little while. But we want to move on to Gaelic football. Loads to talk about um the rule changes uh, will be voted on this week, but the other big story of the week is the future of Cork football, and I'm delighted to say we've got the former Cork football manager, Brian Cuthbert, on the line with us this morning. Brian, good morning to you. How are you doing?
4: Very good. How are
0: you, Yeah, good. Thanks very much for talking to us. Um, before we talk about the rule changes or any of that kind of stuff, I just wanted to get your take on um, what's happened with the five-year plan that was announced um, by Cork GA and especially Cork football over the last while. It seems like it was a, a very necessary and timely Corraling of all of the resources and people who've been involved at the top level over the last while to just do a proper full reset on where Cork football is. How how has the response been like, and how important is it that people get behind
4: it now? Uh, I suppose to answer the first part of your question. First, I would I think the response has been quite positive. Um, I suppose that the report was written for Cork and um, <laughs> Cork. Cork, I suppose, look, we didn't really look, we didn't write the report for the rest of the day. we wrote it for ourselves, and I think, you know, um, internally, I would say, in the main day, the, the response has been very, very positive. I think the people in Cork were looking for um, a, a roadmap, the people in Cork were looking for um, a, a plan and how, how we go forward, because obviously over the last number of years, including my own time involved with Cork, um, you know, our, 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 our performances weren't good enough and um, I think at, at the stage where we're at um, people were and I suppose the report mentions quite a lot the, there was quite a lot of apathy around on the ground in Cork and people were just moving away from it and, and footballers were, were losing more and more support and the footballers I, I would say themselves and uh, I, this isn't a, a, a pure fact but I would say the team themselves were, were probably feeling you know a small bit aloof and a small bit left alone and Performances and results sometimes do that in sport. I would, I, but I, I think that the, the plan has given uh, kind of almost a new lease of life to to the whole setup and the whole Cork GAA and Cork football family. And and I think it's it, there's good direction there. Um, so I think you know it, it was timely. It was it was opportune in terms of we needed to do something. And uh, I think on the ground, as I say, the response has been very very positive.
0: How did you come to be involved? Because obviously for somebody who is involved at the senior inter-county level, yourself and, and Conor Cunahan were both part of it, and obviously it was important that that information that you guys had gleaned over the period of time that you'd been involved with the senior inter-county team wasn't lost. Was it an easy enough decision for you to get involved again and to recommit? You know, yeah,
4: well, look, I suppose the big thing is that, um, you know, even after being involved with Cork senior team, um I haven't run away from Cork G or anything. I'm chairman of my own club. Um, I'm involved in other committees as well, uh, with the GA. And um I suppose I was honoured to be asked by Tracy to, to come onto the committee. Um and I suppose that you know the point is that uh Connor and Graham um are are, are household names in Cork. Um I wouldn't be putting myself in that bracket or anything and uh, I, I just felt that I'd be very, very happy to work with the two of them and Tracy in delivering a plan for Cork and I think it was needed and Whatever inputs I could give, I was happy to give. And as I say, I was very, very happy to, to be asked. And, um, you know, we, we I think we knew as, 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 as a group of people that we, we had no choice here. It just had to be done. And, and you ask, how, how, how did I come about being asked? Maybe, maybe there were other people who were asked and didn't want to do it. but I don't know what way it ended up, but um, I was happy enough to do it, as I say.
1: Yeah. What's your continuous role now in it, Brian? Is there a role for you in terms of appointing the performance director and appointing the other personnel involved in this plan?
4: Um, I, I don't think so. I, I think those have to be done uh, externally. Obviously, there's going to have to be some, some representative from Cork County Board and that, but I'd like to think um, from the discussions that we had all along that there'd be outside expertise brought in for the appointments themselves, so that there'd be absolute transparency around the whole process and that you know Cork would get the best person for, for these jobs. Um, sometimes... Internally, when you know like any job you're you're going after the best person and I think to find that best person, you need people with absolute expertise in each of those areas to to go after and get those people
1: when it came to actually compiling the details of this report, you said it was a report by Cork for Cork. But to what extent did you look at other elements that have kind of taken place in the county successfully over the past decade or two? Dublin being the obvious example. Now, Dublin, of course, different in terms of the fact that, I suppose, football isn't at times dwarfed by hurling. But did you take elements from that, like the, the Blue Wave report and things like no, that?
4: No, I don't think so, no. Um, if, if if you look at the, the report, it's 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 based really on, on a model that, that's used uh, elsewhere in sport across the world in terms of looking at high-performance sport in particular, and, and the pillars inside it, There we actually put in 11 pillars of the model. We're looking at a 10. But, um, you know, it's not based on anyone else's model in, in Ireland. It's not based on the blue Way. We, did, we didn't even, even go near that because context is absolutely vital. That's in the fact that um, Cork has particular issues and Cork has particular strengths and, and Cork has particular, I suppose, um, traditions. And, and they all have to be, uh, you know, to, the, to front, mid, middle and central in terms of the plan because... If you borrow from somewhere else, in terms of um, you know this is what Dublin did, or this is what Kerry did, or this is what Mayo did, it doesn't work. And uh, I suppose in our particular context, um, we're very, very aware of the, of the challenges that we have. So I think that the plan represents a, a roadmap around those challenges, and, and you know t- to actually tackle the challenges and actually move Cork football forward.
0: Can I ask you a question about the, the underage structures? Because obviously um, hurling in Cork underwent its own kind of period of self-reflection quite a while back and, and mm. the outcome of that has been a swashbuckling success at underage level which eventually, mm. you know, everybody feels will transfer to mm. senior level. Does the does football in Cork at underage level enjoy the type of um, teaming popularity that it seems to enjoy in other counties? Uh, you know, like you're, you're hearing stories of some of the, the bigger clubs in um, Dublin just not able to cope with the demand that they have for... The kids at under six, under eight, under under ten, and is is football in Cork as trendy for young parents as it has been around the rest of the country?
4: Um, I I would like to think so in lots of ways, but I think it's still in uh, here in Cork. I, th- I think it's still geographical in, in terms of its popularity. And I think there are large parts of of the city, and there are some parts of you know other parts of the county that that football wouldn't be overly popular, and hurling would be extremely popular. Uh, I, I do think that you know hurling is, is the game in in the larger population bases within the county. Um, that's a given. Um, but I also do think that there's an unbelievable, unbridled passion for football uh, across large parts of the county. And I think you know if you go back to our last time that we won another in 2010, you know football was very popular then. But uh, the very fact that the team had their next National League game in the first game of the year, of the, year the following year with 587 people versus Manin, tells its own story. Uh, if Cork were to win the All-Ireland final, um, I'm sure that there'd be you know a lot more than that there. Yeah.
1: Did that surprise you at the time? Did you think that this would be a turning point from a, a kind of football interest perspective in the county?
4: Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. Um, I thought so. I thought at the time that team in particular... You know, they were trying to get over the line for a while. Um, you know, they they had come on, usually under Billy. Then Connor came in, he did a, a massive job with them. And um, they f- eventually got over the line in 2010. And I, and I thought it was going to be a, a massive, massive, uh, you know, weight off the whole county's back. And I thought everybody would, you know, be driving on. But signs on, um, you know, that, that wasn't the case. Um, but I suppose, look... In terms of where we are right now, um, we're in a different place than we were then. And the very fact that now we have a roadmap as such, um, that there's absolute necessity that that, that it's going to be followed, I think it will bring a huge direction and a huge synergy to the county in terms of how we do our business here.
0: Brian, um, when it came to the definition of corkness, what did corkness mean to you?
4: Yeah, it's funny. That that word, um, you know, I even asked last Wednesday, is there such a word? And the journalist told me, yeah, yeah, yeah there's such a word. I, I almost thought that we coined it during uh, the process. But um, which journalist said that? <laughs> <laughs> I keep, I keep stum on that one. Um, but uh, he, and he's not even from Cork. Um, but uh, what I'd say is, is that uh, you know, I suppose we wanted, we wanted the plan. And some people might look at it and say, Geez, "You know, this this is silly talk, and Corkness is silly, and this and that." I think, like every county in the country, you know, our sense of place in the GAA is what drives us most. Um, you know, sometimes people in Cork, I know, can, we can be OTT about it. Certainly when, when, when we're on top, um, I would imagine we're, we're hard to listen to. But um, I would think that, you know, that, that for me, um, as is the case in every other county, you know, we're very, very proud people. Uh, we're extremely proud of our heritage and extremely proud of our traditions. I think we, you know, that sense of Corkness, that word, I think that stirs something in every Cork woman and, and, and man and child in the county. And I think the J is, is, is rooted in our DNA, as it is the case in many, many, many other places around the country. But I think um, for us to be, uh, I suppose in a way, uh, ridiculed or, or being scoffed at due to where we're at, it's, it's not a nice place to be. And I think you know, that sense of almost, it's almost tribalistic that, You know, we need to pull ourselves out of this and we need to climb out of this and we need to do it together. We need to to say to people, we're not going away, that we will come back again, you know, at some stage and we will get this right at some stage. I think that's very, very important. Yeah. And I think no better group to do it.
1: Yeah. Just one final point, Brian. Like in a weird way, I wonder, does it give you hope how quickly I don't want to use the the verb unraveled here, but how quickly things have kind of taking a step back over the past couple of years because you look at your own last year involved with Cork and obviously that famous game at this point, the first game down in Clarney in 2015, but also kind of during your tenure, a relatively stable place in Division 1 of the National Football League that using all that kind of landscape over the past five years or so, there is a sense that this Cork team is still underachieving with the current players. Like that must give a tiny bit of hope for the short term anyway.
4: I do. I, th- I think there's there's big hope for the short term. I and even in the Mar- McGrath Cup last Sunday, even though we didn't win against Clare, you know, Claire, uh, you know so be it. um, You know, there's a lot of players there, 18, 19, 20 years of age. But I think it, the fact that that you know at inter-county at level at the moment, you know, you can spiral into into a sense of a sense of positivity, but you also can spiral into a huge sense of negativity. And I think more than anybody, the players right now. They need they need people behind them. They need support. They need you know. We know where we're at. We're not. We know the position we're in, uh, and I think our players need need to feel some level of, of of warmth from all of us, from all stakeholders, and some level of support from all stakeholders to actually allow themselves to be pulled out of this in time. Um, no, it, it could even happen this year. I'm not quite sure in terms of the team moving forward. I'm sure they will because they're working extremely hard. But I suppose the inter-county team is the flagship team for the county. The plan references huge, huge, huge other areas that need attention and that in time will will allow us to be the best version of ourselves that we possibly can be. And I think at the moment we we just, the county is so big and we we have, you know, there's a lot of different stuff going on in terms of the challenges that that, that we face. Um, You know, I I just think that it's going to be a a longer process uh, of, you know, more than just this season to get all the stuff that we need to get right, right.
1: Brian, we did want to chat to you about the new rules in Gaelic football. You're on the Standing Rules Committee. The vote this Saturday, really, the pivotal one as to uh, how many of these rules, if any of them, actually make it through to the National League. Just, just before we get into them, uh, what, what is the actual process this Saturday? Is there five separate votes on five of the different rules, or is it a, a one-size-fits-all vote for the National
4: League? No, I would, I would imagine, um, I suppose we're, we're at the stage in, in terms of the committee I was on, um, we're at the stage that, the, that we're, we are no longer part of this process right now um, I suppose we brought the rules uh, to management um, the ma- management agreed them and Central council agreed them for the um, provincial cups and the National League then I suppose after that you know as you all know there, there was discussion had and that the 19th was marked in the calendar as a time where we would actually review the provincial cups and see how, the, how they went now that's going to be an independent re- review from Rob Carroll, who's was a statistician that was u- used in the process. And after that, uh, I would imagine each of those rules would be voted on separately.
0: What's your take on why there's been such a negative reaction to the rules, Brian?
4: Um, I suppose, guys, there's a, there's a number of things, really, I suppose, in the fact that there are a lot of them there. Um, you know, we don't like change um, at the best of times. Um, and I think maybe you know five rules at one time might 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 be difficult for some people to swallow, but at the same time um you know even before I would say there was negativity even before any game was played um from in from some quarters and 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 that 's fine too, and I think the committee was very 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 realistic in in understanding that you know this is going to be a difficult sell in terms of the level of change we we spoke about, but at the same time. I think the committee was extremely, extremely, extremely concerned about, um, you know, where fo- football was going. Um, and, you know, I think that that was that was our, our biggest driver, the fact that there was a feeling that um, football was turning into a complete possession game, which is fine. It's fine if, if that's the way people want it to go, and I suppose that's the democracy in the G.A. If that's what the way we want our game to go, then let, let, let's leave it go that way. But right now... I suppose you know the committee was was put in place to actually examine uh, robustly what's actually happening, and then put in place uh, rules or rule changes that that might might allow us to, to, you know, the game to evolve in maybe in a different direction.
1: Yeah, because like some of the things that have been said, and it is, I'll admit, all uh, inter-county managers really that have really grabbed the headlines over the past couple yeah. of weeks, have been extraordinary, really. Declan Bonner saying it's a waste of time. He says it's crazy. I don't know how 10 men can sit around a table and come up with the 3 hand-passed rule. They can't have much to do. And there's, there's a couple of other things which I'm not sure if they're true or not. We might be able to, to get you to, to clarify this. I presume it wasn't just a case of 10 men sitting around a table kind of floating ideas out there. Like you mentioned Rob Carroll there. There was yeah. a lot of thought yeah. and yeah. information yeah. that went yeah, into
4: but- this. Like I suppose I, I read at the very start uh, that you know people were claiming that that the actual methodology was, was almost too academic, you know, and, and I, I would imagine that that was maybe a slight at at at, at you know, the committee chair and the fact he's a professor. But I, I have never been involved in something that was so robust and so well thought out, uh, and, I, and very quickly, I, like it, it went from discussion and, and and video analysis to to engaging county boards, engaging the head of the referees' authorities engaging uh, players through the GPA, engaging um, managers. All managers were written to only, only 12 responded. Then I went into a, a period of trial games where these were videoed and recorded and we came back and watched all them. them, um, those who couldn't get to the games live. And, you know, the, 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 the methodology behind the decision-making process, I would say, would stand up anywhere. And I think that that's the most crucial point. And I also would say that, You know, we had worked out that I think there was 162 games between the provincial um, games and the national league, and and a trial like this needs that length of time to to actually say this rule is good or this rule doesn't work. Because with any rule changes, there are going to be unintended consequences, and you can't predict what they are going to be before you see them in action. So even even in the trial games, um, you know, there was on the kick out there was uh, a different rule put in place. First, we watched watched trial games. I mean, you know. It was fair to say that some of it was unworkable, and we said, "Okay, that needs to come out. And and, and I suppose that process will still be on the table at at the end of all this, I would imagine.
1: Turlock O'Brien then said it was a tactical ploy to propose five rule changes because you know that not all five of them would get through. Is that true?
4: No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I I think each one of those rule changes, I I think, um, you know, the desire from the committee that I was on and all the meetings that we were at, that, that... that hopefully that the five of them will get through and it wasn't a case of we put in five to get two um, no we, we put in five because we felt there were the re- reasons that, that, that uh, there were uh, aids to, to turning the game into somewhat of a, of a contestable game again because we felt yes managers are complaining about it yes maybe intercounty players are complaining about it but it's all our game it's all our game and I think you know we need to be cognizant of that the game belongs to everybody and I think when you have situations where people are just, you know, it's a bit like what I spoke about earlier with Cork, that, that there's an apathy about football and hurling is, is blowing, out, blowing out of the water exponentially in terms of the way it's going. Um, you know, there was a feeling in the committee that, that this belongs to all of us and, you know, let's have an experiment. and mm. uh, Let's have an experiment in the provincial championships or the provincial cups and let's have an experiment in the National League. Now, I know people, I know how important the National League is to everybody, but it's our only opportunity to experiment. So, you know, are we just going to say, it's fine, Let's leave the game be a possession game where you can keep the ball for three or four minutes and not give it back to the opposition? That's fine if that's what we want. But a lot of people don't want that.
1: Yeah. Like, like the, the great irony, of course, in all of this and, and the reaction from the managers is that, as Malachi Kirkham pointed out in his piece yesterday, that there was only 12 responses from inter-county managers yeah. despite the fact that the Standing Rules Committee wrote to every single one of them looking for feedback on the proposed rules. The one other thing I wanted to ask you, whether or not it's true or not, Brian, is uh, Kevin Walsh's statement that television pundits are having too much of an influence on the game. At any point, were you influenced by what was said on, say, the Sunday game last year?
4: No, none whatsoever. No. I, I, I would I, hand on heart, I, you know, we, I don't know how many meetings we must have had. But uh, at no stage, at no stage, was um, you know comments from pundits or, or you know comments from 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 games at halftime or after games. None of that was ever looked at. This was a this was a a very very robust robust methodological process where we went through step after step after step before coming to an agreement uh, through kind of a democratic process of deciding uh, what we want to put on the table for experimentation. It was as simple as that.
5: One
0: last thing. Uh, You mentioned there that um, your work now is done effectively for for this process. Mm. It would seem to me that it would make sense that rather than waiting for everything to reach the crisis point that it's reached, and I think everybody agrees that the game is in Mm. in crisis at the moment, Mm. that maybe a standing rules committee could tweak things year on year and take forward all the information and knowledge that you've had, and whether or not the committee changes and the makeup of that committee changes, but there's some continuity so that a few people have been in the room over a long period of time and said, yeah, we tried that and we had that conversation Mm. and here's why we didn't go with that in the past. So that this knowledge is propelled forward and next year there's one rule change that people are talking about.
4: Sorry, that's exactly what happens. Like, the the committees are put in place by the President when he comes in. So his term is three years. So this is a three-year committee. Now, many of the committees that I'm sitting on have been on the previous committee as well and the previous committee to that so all of that all of that knowledge moves forward. And I think that's the way this committee is so important. I think it always will have somebody who's been on the previous committee. So like this is a tranche of rules that have been looked at for, for the National League for this year. Um, you know, the committee again will meet again in, in very soon now in the next number of weeks and, and, and start the process again for next year in terms of looking at, you know, even if these come in now on Saturday, this will have to be re examined.
0: Yeah, so you would hope that they are allowed through on Saturday and then at the end of the league campaign, everybody can sit down with exactly. the proper sample size.
4: Exactly, exactly. Like, as I say, I think it's, it's, it's in around 160 games. I think that will be plenty of games uh, to give us trends and give us an analysis to happen. Now I know people will be saying, you know, we, we've seen already from McKenna Cup or we've seen from the McGrath Cup that this doesn't work and that doesn't work. I, I, I would just, you know, plead that we're given a longer trial process.
0: Well, that makes sense. Brian, great stuff. Thanks so a for joining us this morning. Thanks, guys. Thanks a Brian Cuthbert there giving us uh, some thoughts on the situation in Cork and indeed the rule changes. It would yeah. be, be terrible for the rule changes not to come through. How are you going to get people to serve on that committee ever again? Like, yeah, do all this work, do the analysis, go through everything rigorously, give everybody the opportunity to have their say, get snubbed, bring the rule changes in, get snubbed again.
1: Yeah, like there is a lot of talk and it has become the line of this debate about addressing, you know, the, the cause rather than the symptom. But within the rule changes and within the implementation of them, there will also be causes and symptoms. And one of the causes for the early teething problems we've had with these rules is referees not having enough help. And that, that may boil down to a more, ele- uh, more elementary level as well in the, in the wider scheme of things. But in terms of how the game is played, in terms of uh, the attractiveness of the game, referees failing or not having enough help is not the reason why Gaelic Games is not an attractive enough prospect. But it might be the reason why these rule changes aren't effective enough. And these rule changes are there to make the game more attractive. So I think we need to be
0: patient. And I want to see them involved for the National League. Yeah. And look, there are going to be mistakes. Um, it's one league campaign. And then at the end of the league campaign... There'll be evidence-based decision-making as opposed to, well, I've thought about this for 15 seconds and uh, I don't think
1: I'm going to go with it. And games on TV, everybody will be able to watch full games of this whenever they want, rewind it, watch it again. What sort of an impact is this having?
0: So here's um, a video that Ben McGuckin put up. Uh, it is um, the referee blown for, for two, one and two hand passes in the derry Tyrone game. So this three-hand pass rule has to go. The inconsistency of refereeing is shocking. If top officials can't keep it up, how will club-level refs cope? Roll over there, Roshi. So, that's kick pass. There's a the hand pass, one. Two. Referee blows
4: it.
0: <laughs> Ref, you bollocks. <laughs> one hand pass. Two hand passes. Three hand passes. Kick. And then... A dribble, a dribble. Looking for the kick pass. Dribble, hand pass, one hand pass. So there you go. Uh, that's
1: it. I mean, that should that should have obviously been spotted. But um, like, there, there maybe there's a learning process for referees as well. Uh, like, I'm not sure what the learning process
0: is that you get one hand pass wrong. It's just probably just a momentary lapse. Just to point out, Ben McGookin is um, he plays football for Glen. He's an ex Ulster GAA coach, co-founder of Oakleaf TV, head of performance analysis at Derry GAA. And has an MSC in sports performance analysis. Yeah, well, Carlin, to, to so. be fair, like, we, can actually
1: see, we can see the video evidence there. The referees clearly got it wrong. So, uh, who's that? M. Brannigan, I think, was the referee there, just by looking at the appearance of the referee, like one of the top officials in the country. Like, it's, um, I don't know, I don't know how the referee is. Like, it, it's, um, as I say, a momentary lapse, but like, we've, see, we've seen the evidence there. It was, got, it was got wrong. Maybe, like, just getting used to these rules might help the referees a small bit even, and that'll eradicate glaring errors like that. Or...
0: Or do you take it out of the referees' hands and say that it's the linesman's job to count the hand passes? Yeah, like Ciaran Brannigan. Kieran Brannigan. Eamon Brannigan is a Galway footballer.
1: There you go. Uh. Definitely, definitely <laughs> not him. Um, yeah. So, like, maybe
0: do, do, do linesmen already have enough on their plate? No. no, they're not doing anything. The they're just they're just lusting after the main gig in the uh, in the centre there. Um, all right, let's move on because we want to talk about this. It is uh, Paulie Malinagi. The boxer and uh, analyst who was on Off The Brawl, our combat sports show on Saturday night, uh, he challenged Conor McGregor to a winner-takes-all person-on-the-line boxing match, which never happens. But, uh, you know, maybe just this one time for $100 million, they could uh, risk it all. Have a look.
6: There's no fight that he can make that when he makes more money than, than he does fighting me. The mm-hmm. problem is he gets beat by me. You know, because like, at this point, why are, you, why are you looking to fight Japanese featherweights for, for half the money? Than you would fighting me if you can beat me. You know what I'm saying? Like why are you why are you trying to make fighting as Japanese featherweights? You know what I'm saying? Where well, you're gonna make half the money, if not even less than half the money than you would fighting me? Mm. You know what I'm saying? You, you know you kind of have to. You, you, we need the the, the fans and, and the media to kind of put two and two together and make four at a certain point. You know, mm. uh, and, and I don't think they're 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 cognizant of that or understanding that. You know, Hearn is uh, can easily put the fight together. I'm sure Heyman can easily put the fight together. Showtime has said they'd be interested in it. I, I don't I don't think there's a I don't think it's a it's a no brainer at this point. You know, I don't think it's a it's it's like it's any secret at this point. Mm. You know, there's money in the fight, but you know, I don't need money, and I'm not, I'm not going to go to mixed martial arts. I'm, he's going to box me if he fights me, and he's going to catch he's going to catch a bed.
1: Yeah. So if, if real talks do happen for a boxing match, it's something you'd definitely still be interested in. Yeah.
6: Yeah, yeah, of course. And a boxing match would be interesting. And I'd love to do a winner take all fight just so he'd go for free. But I don't think he'd ever agree to that. I would love to, to fight Conor McGregor in a winner take all fight uh, in a boxing match. I absolutely would love it because now nah, I, I would I would beat him to a pulp. I would hospitalize him, and then I'd make him go home broke too. You know, but, but and and he knows it, and he knows it. And so I, I, it's a shame that uh, even if the fight were to happen, I, I don't think he has the guts to really uh, agree to, a ter- to terms like that.
0: Yeah. Polly Malinagi calling out Conor McGregor on off the brawl on Saturday. Um, he everybody knows this fight could be made. It feels to me like this fight could be made at this point. What's the, what's going on here again? C- can somebody please remind me why these guys hate each other? So Polly Malinagi helped Conor McGregor out by sparring with him. Yes. In advance of the Floyd Mayweather fight. Yes. Um, at that stage, Malinagi is really just a pundit. He hasn't fought competitively since. 2017. In fairness, was his last fight. Um, so what is that? Oh uh, three, oh four. So it is March 2017.
1: So, so. so we're talking about the video here. We're talking about Malinaj getting knocked down and McGregor posting the video. Well, the, no, it was the uh, picture, uh, the picture, or, or the, the picture.
7: Happy. Because the video showed that he, you know, it wasn't as bad as the picture. looked.
1: So, so I haven't missed anything here. No, we like there, there. hasn't been some sort of slur against Malinaggi's family or a uh, Malinaggi slur against the Conor McGregor family. I think it like, probably th- things probably got a bit uh, out of hand. A little bit, but, so basically, uh, your mate posts an embarrassing photograph of you, and you now want to kick the shit out of that guy.
7: Well, your professional photographer, who you pay to make you look good, posted the photo of you looking good. I'm sorry, that's
1: hilarious. Like This is clearly a hand-up rivalry, as a lot of these things are. They don't really hate each other. They can both see dollar signs and they can see nothing else at the moment. This thing is fake. This is is just a a
0: fake conflict between two people who want to get into the ring. They would have had the fight by now. They definitely would have had the fight by now. Why would McGregor go and get his head kicked in by Khabib rather than fighting... Because he really wants to return to the octagon. Somebody who he believes he can actually beat... Because he really believes he could beat Khabib. How much money is he going to make for this versus how much money he would make for Khabib? Do we know really how much he made for Khabib? Is it 10 million or 15 million or 20 million? Like that figure's never actually released, right? But the figures for the pay-per-view for this will actually be decent because then you've got the crossover appeal of the boxing fans. I'm interested in this. I don't think it's completely made I am not interested. Care. Yeah, I think Paulie Malanagy has managed to uh, talk everybody into... I, I actually think that Paulie Malanagy was very pissed off and has been pissed off since the get-go. He's a genius. No. He's a genius for working,
1: working his way into the Conor McGregor uh, circle. Like, it's an absolute masterstroke from Paulie Malignaggi here. The best thing that ever happened to that guy was his press photographer screwing him over.
0: Paulie Malignaggi will, over the course of... Actually, you know what? Over a much shorter amount of time than Floyd Mayweather did in that fight, beat Conor McGregor. And he will he will beat him because Conor McGregor is not a very good boxer. And so... This is like, of course he's going to talk himself into this fight because he's going to win it and he's going to win it easily. He's also going to steal all his money apparently because he's going to send him home broke.
7: Quitter takes all. What even is that? That makes no sense. I mean, I can understand the appeal of Floyd Mayweather. Of the undefeated boxer, the biggest name in boxing. I understand the appeal of getting back in with Khabib. Is, can you still do it at that level? But I don't understand why you'd want to fight Malinagi, a lad who is basically just... a. A, a training prop. He was a, a, a boxing bag while he was there. I don't understand how they think that would draw, why do they think people would buy into it. If it does draw a dime, it'll be because McGregor's name's on it. Nothing to do with Malinagi.
0: I don't agree with that. I, don't, I actually don't agree with that at all. I think that there's a... I think that Paul Paulie is famous in the boxing world. Like, boxing fans see him fight side, or ringside, as part of the commentary team on some of the biggest fights. So they're like, oh, that guy and he's fought some real people in the past now he's lost to some real people in the past but he's beaten he's beaten some good names he's been in with Amir Khan beat him Uh, he was in with Ricky Hatton who also beat him uh, he beats Zab Judah, who is a name that people will remember from the welterweight
1: he's division. Re- he's baseball. retired,
7: Jerry. He's finished. I mean, is going yeah. to... This yeah. is worse
1: than the, the May, May-Mac fight, yeah. in terms of a credibility for the sport. Spectacle, right? No, who cares about credibility for the sport? Like, What's that got to do with anything? You, like, you're like, talking about on. real boxing fans getting on the bandwagon here
0: in terms of pay-per-face. And I will
1: happily pay. Like, Not sure about that. Not sure about that. I
0: think, um, I think you can remember... Andy Lee always says he put, like... You put LeBron James in one corner, you put, uh, pick whoever you want. Pick um, uh, the fastest sprinter in the world, pick the best cyclist or footballer in the world, and there's a fight in the fourth corner. What are people going to watch?
1: Well,
7: uh, ho- okay, hold
0: on a minute. Okay. That's, that's well, some
7: kind of like battle fight. royal. That's, that's, that's different.
0: Because Wait, you put
7: LeBron James they, in the corner,
1: so what's he doing? He's just standing like, there, On He's that's like that's shooting jump shots, just standing there. Like, he can, okay, so he can do LeBron he James is like dunking on Kevin Durant, I'm probably going to watch that two guys
0: fighting each other. Why, like, would, why would they be dunking each other on the street corner? Well, see, this is the thing. It's analogy. such a ridiculous analogy. Okay, well, it actually isn't. It makes perfect sense. Malinagy, people will watch the fights. No, people I would. Are, I draw to the li- fights.
1: I will watch LeBron James ten times out of ten and rather than watch. Can you imagine that? Malinagi fight Conor McGregor? I can't even say his name anymore because I'm so exercised about. It's this ridiculous.
7: Point. Like Malinagy is has grabbed onto McGregor's coattails and he will not let go until he gets some kind of fight.
1: But to say that that's like the best of all the sporting spectacles you can possibly put together is McGregor versus Malinagy is that's a ridiculous the least. Point. That's the that.
7: least interesting fight. You said McGregor if you like, have
1: these four things in the corner, you're going to pick the fight. People standing. The standard there. of that fight matters.
0: No, it doesn't.
7: It, it actually does.
0: It, it, it could be it, a fight outside of bad chippers in a, a provincial Irish town If, if and everybody gathers around to watch it. If LeBron James is outside the same chipper, I'm looking at whatever LeBron James is doing. <laughs> of course I am. I mean, you really aren't. Because <laughs> he's, he's, he's walking over to see the fight. That's how that works. <laughs> he's getting off his corner and going, oh, there's a fight over there, I want to watch it.
7: This is got ridiculous.
0: <laughs> well, I, I think that maybe, uh, you know, maybe it went over your head a bit.
1: I, I legitimately hope that uh, we do see LeBron James with a spice bag. Do you really not think that
0: um, anybody's going to watch this fight? Is that what you're of, saying? Of you're saying people. nobody's going to watch? Paulie Malignaggi fights Conor McGregor is not going to do business, not going to make money. It will make it. decent make business people because, because Conor McGregor is extraordinarily famous.
1: I think that there will be a number of boxing fans who will say that this is another shame on the sport and shouldn't be happening. And I will certainly not be putting them, and they would certainly not be putting their money
0: towards it.
7: It's not a great metric for success, though, whether or not people watch it. Like, people watch Air Crash Investigation at 2 a.m. It doesn't mean that they're really interested in aviation or air crashes. Yeah, but
0: hundreds of millions will be spent on people buying the right to watch this. <laughs> I doubt
7: it. I, uh, do you? Yeah. You think it would be millions, unsuccessful Hundreds fight. of millions from Malinagi McGregor.
0: Yeah, I think that it would gross a quarter of... It would gross 200 million. What did really? uh,
1: Mayweather McGregor gross? What? What did Mayweather McGregor gross? I don't know. I would say this would be half of that...
0: Yeah, and that's still... That's
1: still like, a lot. Like, even less than half of that. I just really... I, I think you can't just say, Conor McGregor boxes,
0: therefore, those similar numbers. You've got to factor
1: in oh, the Floyd Mayweather th-
0: element of that fight.
1: And you've got to factor
4: in the
0: Paulie Malignaggi has managed to talk us into this. I, I genuinely believe they don't talk like to you together. into it. Oh, yeah. Uh, 300 million. A sheep there. Mayweather earned 300 million from the... McGregor fight, McGregor earned 100 million, so that's 400 million for them, you've got to assume that there's another 400 million floating around, so this fight's going to get made, and I can't wait to see it, Paulie is going to win. That's my prediction. Comfortably? Is he going to hospitalise Conor McGregor
1: as he says? Well, I mean, most, most boxers got a hospital afterwards for a checkup, up anyway. So. Oh, pedantic Pete over
0: here.
7: Man. Loser leaves town. Winner takes all. I'm going to take your family. I'm going to take your money. I'm winner gonna takes take all money. is
0: not that unusual. Like, there was a great period in boxing history where the winner would take all. That was the whole point of the prize fights. You put up the prize and the winner takes the prize. The whole notion that, like, the defending champ, because he's got the belt, gets to have more money is actually bollocks. Like, you can lose the fight and make the most money.
1: Yeah, it's like a parachute payment. It makes no sense.
7: Darren. Manchester City have cut Liverpool's lead at the top of the Premier League down to four points this morning. Gabriel Jesus scored a brace as City beat 10-man Wolves by three goals to nil. The Brazilian followed his five-goal tally in two cup games last week with a first-half double as City recorded a fifth consecutive win in all competitions. Wolves had Willy Boley sent off for a lunge on Bernardo Silva. Their misery was further compounded when Conor Cody netted a late own goal. City boss Pep Guardiola reckons this win could be vital at the end of the season.
5: We played a lot of time with 10 against 11. We should attack a little bit more, especially the last 20-25 minutes when Kemin when came, came in.
8: But we were solid. We don't concede chances. And, uh, of course, three more points and try to put pressure for the the team is in top of the league.
4: We cannot control what they do.
9: We can control what we can do. And the only way to put that is being there. Being there and maybe one day they fell and try to be in there. But it's pretty sure if we don't win,
2: they will be champions.
7: Sam Allardyce is the favourite to succeed. David Wagner at Huddersfield. He left his role last night with the Terriers' bottom of the Premier League. They're eight points from safety and they've taken just 11 points from 22 games this season. Allardyce, who has never been relegated as a manager, is the strong favourite to take over. The club chairman David Hoyle called it a sad day for the club and said that Wagner would go down in Huddersfield history. If Big Sam gets the job this week, his first game would be against Manchester City. Purists are excited of this meeting of the football minds.
5: All this tippy-tappy stuff, everybody keeps going about the right way to play football. is all
7: a lot of bollocks sometimes. Meanwhile, the former Republic of Ireland manager Martin O'Neill is set for a swift return to the dugout. The 66-year-old will become the next Nottingham Forest manager later today. He's set to succeed Iter Karanka. As a player, O'Neill won the European Cup twice and also helped them win the league. Forest currently four points off the playoff spots in the championship table. Now, Keith Andrews believes that his stock will be quite high in England.
2: I would imagine from his perspective it hasn't sat well with him, the the level of criticism. There's there's a stark contrast to the thoughts on Martin O'Neill in in England compared to where we are here in Ireland and Dublin. Because the the general train of thought in England would be, well he didn't have the players, what else could he do? I certainly didn't buy into that, I had a lot of sympathy for the players in terms of what they were getting. I felt let down by the management team. Um, So that would be the train of thought in England, how well it's been received by Nottingham Forest fans I don't know. Um but there will be the, some obviously with the romantic notion of him coming back to the club, he'll get them all around. He's a he's a clough clown, let's be honest, in terms of how he goes about things.
7: Now there's more from Keith Andrews on the website offtheball.com. Derby County manager Frank Lampard doesn't believe spying tactics were employed during his time at Chelsea. Andre Villas-Boas reportedly said he would secretly watch the opposition train during his time working at Stamford Bridge under Jose Mourinho. The English FA have opened an investigation into Leeds United head coach Marcelo Bielsa, who admitted sending a member of staff to spy on Derby training last week. A Telegraph interview from AVB from 2011 resurfaced over the weekend, where he was quoted as saying travelling to training grounds often incognito to pick up information on opponents is what Mourinho wanted as he would leave nothing to chance. Leeds have formally apologised to Derby and reminded their manager of the integrity and honesty of the club. Lampard described the incident as bad and said it was disruptive as his side lost 2-0. There
2: were talks about Chelsea used to do this years ago. I certainly wasn't aware of it and I don't believe it at all. So for people to try and throw up that it happened in other places and it's all fine, that's just not what it is as far as I see. So um, I, I wouldn't partake in it, and uh, that's the end.
1: I think he said everything you've got to say, and when I said angry, I wasn't angry with that. I was angry with the fact that I know we can go to Leeds and play better. I was talking about football. Um, in terms of that, I don't want anything more. I, I certainly don't want to be the person that keeps going on about an issue when it's gone. It's for the authorities to deal with.
0: Hmm. Hmm. I'm not going on about this, but somebody better sort it out for me.
7: I mean, it's a great excuse. We've been beaten 2-0, but what about the guy in the bushes? What about him? A great way of getting away with murder. And
1: he's an enforcer. Uh, we, Darren, you also spotted the, the same kind of hilarity that I did at the weekend when Bielsa was interviewed on Sky Sports and Vian, an interpreter, admitted that it was him. So I immediately thought the interpreter was the one doing all the spying. But uh, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. It was Marcelo Bielsa who was responsible. Did you literally think? No, I didn't.
7: There was a joke I think that went over everyone's head Oh and we were just too clever for everyone in the world <laughs> Munster could be without Peter O'Mahony for Saturday's pool-defining Champions Cup clash with Exeter Chiefs The Ireland International was replaced in the 45th minute over the weekend win over Gloucester 41 15 in that game finished The flanker had a scan on a rib injury sustained and head coach Johan van Graan says his chances are 50-50 at best
5: He's gone for a scan this morning um, he's had some treatment over the weekend uh, obviously with a a bang to the ribs and the rib cartilage, uh, you do have a lot of pain, so it's not something that just goes away. So, um, we'll give him every opportunity to recover uh, up to Saturday. Unfortunately, if you're a forward, uh, it's not something that you can hide uh, when you go into the breakdown or you steal a ball or you're involved in a mall. So, I had a chat to him this morning, uh, he's very open minded about it. He'd love to play in this game, but uh, you know, his body's got a Um, Work with it first, and first and foremost, it's uh, Pete's health that's the most important.
7: Racing92 say they strongly condemn the racist insults allegedly aimed at Simon Zebo. During Saturday's Champions Cup clash with Ulster in a statement, the French club said today, racism has no place in rugby in which the values of solidarity and togetherness are the exact opposite of any forms of discrimination. Ulster are appealing for anyone who can assist in their investigation to contact them and underline that the club will take the strongest possible action if anyone is found to have racially abused the Ireland international. While in tennis, Serena Williams has secured her spot in the second round at the Australian Open. The 37-year-old beat Tatiana Maria in straight sets. Venus Williams recovered from losing the first set to defeat Mihila Buzernescu and has advanced to the next stage of the competition.
0: All right, thank good stuff. Uh, Cork Camogie star Amy O'Connor and Waterford captain Neve Rocket popped into the studio yesterday for the launch of the Littlewoods Ireland Camogie Leagues. Yesterday, Littlewoods Ireland announced that they're going to be streaming a minimum of six league games throughout the spring with the goal of bringing the sport to over 100,000 fans. Here's Amy and Neve at the start of Camogie, sorry, at the state of Camogie in 2019 and what needs to happen for the game to improve.
1: Amy, I guess we'll start with you. Um, 2018 wasn't a bad year, I think it's fair to say. I think back-to-back All-Ireland's four All-Irelands in five years. And whenever somebody speaks about you, they always say she's got four All-Irelands at the age of 22. Is that something that, that particularly motivates you that you've won so much at a relatively young age?
9: Um, yeah, I suppose when we came in, when I came into the senior team, there was a couple of us came in together all around the same age. We kind of came from minor. And I don't think we expected to be where we were now. Um, I don't think, if you asked me <laughs> when I joined the senior panel, if I had won All-Ireland at this stage, I would have been delighted. But um, yeah, it's brilliant, and we're delighted.
1: So, has the three in a row been mentioned much in the camp?
9: And not in our, not within the camp, but outside camp, everyone's kind of throwing it out there. Um, it's not really something we think about too much because um, we might get ahead of ourselves. But um, we're under no illusions. Like um, I don't think a Cork team has ever done it in the modern game in the 15 aside, and I think only two teams have done it. So. Um, it's not going to be easy um, and we won't wrestle our laurens. we we know that there's an awful lot of work to be done and we definitely need to do more than we did last year and
1: well, What would it be? Wexford and Tipperary have done three in a row?
9: I think, um, yeah, in the early 2000s I think um, Tipperary did it and then in maybe 9, 10 and 11 or something like that Wexford done it so it, it's not easy to do and um, even a couple of years ago we couldn't do it ourselves so as I say we're not under any illusions we know that there's work to be done and
1: yeah, because they're like teams that, that we'd all remember watching. I'm not sure, is that the same with you, Niamh? Is it those Wexford and Tipperary teams that you remember watching? Because obviously from your own perspective, I think, certainly in the modern game, I can't remember a current Waterford team that's doing as well as they're doing now in terms of going up through the rungs. So is it fair to say that perhaps you're looking at inspiration from other counties as well in terms of the top level of Camogie talent?
8: Yeah, well, look, at the moment, I suppose, the likes of Cork and Kilkenny and Galway like, are all up the top at the moment. Like you know, So... All of us other teams in senior are trying to like, get up to that standard at the moment. Like, you know, they're by a good bit ahead of us at the moment when I was growing up. I suppose, looking in Wexford, looking at Ursula Jacob and the Lacy's and stuff like that, like, they were my idols when I was growing up. Like, you know, uh, they were unbelievable all through the years. Like, they were, they were at the top of their game in the, like, early 10s. Like, you know, so they were brilliant.
1: The one thing that I find really helps is when there's a great rivalry and a great storyline to kind of enhance everything that we're watching over the last couple of years. How real is the rivalry with Kilkenny?
9: Um, I, it, there's a big rivalry there between the two teams um, I think people may not because they're sick of the Kilkenny and Cork rivalry but I don't think the games are attractive to watch between us and I don't think it's doing much for the game by it being constantly Cork and Kilkenny um, to, in my opinion I don't think Galway are too far behind I always kind of I'd always tip Galway at the start of the year to be there or thereabouts because I think they're a good team and the likes of Waterford and Tipperary are really coming on as well in Dublin last year but the All Ireland final this year wasn't a good spectacle to watch. Uh, it wasn't attractive, and it doesn't do anything for the game if there the games being televised. Why
1: was that, do you think?
9: Um, <laughs> I think, unfortunately, when Cork and Kilkenny played, it, or in my opinion, I think Kilkenny kind of they're very defensive minded, they don't leave the game flow. I think great credit has to be. Um, due for the Cork and Dublin ladies football teams, in this year's All-Ireland Final, both of them went for it, and it was a really exciting game. It was good to watch. People will look at more Gaelic football games this year because of it, Mm. and I just don't think that, unfortunately, with, the Cork and Kilkenny rivalry and the amount of freeze given in games is not helping.
1: The referee did get a lot of stick after yeah. that game, I do recall. Like like would you agree with the idea that uh, defensive mindset from Kilkenny didn't help that day?
8: Yeah, like I think it was just defensive on both sides. It was just kind of like I suppose from one, one team were playing into the other team like, you know, and it just both went in defensive setup like whatever way, whoever went with it first. And I suppose the referee didn't really help things like, you know, the way it was and like there was a lot of free flow to the game which really kind of when there was a stop start to the game it's very very hard to watch like you know and I suppose the maybe the thing might be looking at is that like the likes of the girls at the moment like they're getting stronger and they're getting fitter like there should be no difference between us and the hurling like you know we're not allowed to shoulder in hurling That's the thing there is a real difference Yeah not allowed to shoulder in camogie and you can hand pass the goal and different things like that like you know so maybe it's like looking at a broader spectacle and saying we need to kind of adopt the hurling rules because girls are well able for it like you know they're not need to be they don't need to be minded in games and stuff like that i suppose that's where the promotion that the ladies football are getting this year like you know i suppose with the final as amy said like you know it was a brilliant spectacle but like the amount of people that they had at the all-ireland and everything was just brilliant like you know and it's all into promotion of it and i suppose like the way that any team can win it i suppose in the ladies football so that's where the camogie need to go towards i think
1: yeah for sure like fifty thousand was an unbelievable yeah. turnout for that It's definitely something... When you see it on this island, when you see it so close to home can easily say to yourself that's achievable.
9: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like and I think it's something that the Kamoe could easily achieve over the next couple of years. Like do you think it is as simple as a rule change to allow I don't want to use the term full contact because it is a contact sport, but essentially that's what it would be if, if we played by Hurling's rules. Like I, I don't personally see the barrier to it. Like why why aren't we making that next step? Yeah.
9: Like I don't I don't actually blame their freeze. They're only implementing the rules. Exactly. Yeah. And like the free count is outrageous. Like some games you there might be thirty eight frees yeah. for each team. Like it's it, it's not right like an the referees can't be blamed because they're only they're only doing what they're told. They're playing the game by the rules, and yeah. if they didn't, they'd probably be slated by other people for not doing that. Yeah. But I do I I do think maybe a rule change could could help the game. Might be a bit more free flowing even our semi final there was an awful lot of freeze again. Yeah. But I I do think a rule change would help us.
8: Yeah. Even like they might, maybe like down the line, like they need to be start going into like looking at amalgamating the ball from like you know like Harold like you know, I know it might be a bit away, but like we want to be playing the same roles, like to you know we're able to play we're able to like stand up as much as anyone else can, like as will the Harlan roles as most moging roles. We play with boys underage as well. Like I'm sure Amy played with the boys underage as well. Like to you know there should be no difference in between the two of them anyway.
1: You'd hope it's only a matter of time anyway before that, that sort of thinking does come to the forefront. Uh Neva did want to talk about this year with you, your captain this year for Waterford, yeah. how you adjusted to that leadership role and congratulations by the way on, on, on attaining that role.
8: Ah uh, yeah look it's brilliant to <coughs> Sorry captain the the team this year like under you know, a great group of girls and i suppose given our success last year like we got to the quarter final for the first time in our ever like with Warwick Mogi. Um i suppose i've been there since the junior in 2011 so we came from junior to intermediate to, to senior now. So um i'm delighted like to be able to captain the girls I suppose. Um, even though i'm 25 and more the most experienced girls on the team like you know which is which is scary for the girls that are going through but it's brilliant like to you know and there's loads of girls on the team that could have been picked, so I was just delighted that the manager picked me.
1: Yeah, you, you spoke about last year. I, I dare say you're not satisfied just with where you ended up last year. Obviously, I think it was a seven point defeat to yeah, Tipperary in an yeah. All Ireland quarter final. Like it has been a fairly meteoric rise coming from winning junior, you were on that junior team like and you are twenty five at the moment, so it just shows how recent it was. Then you won intermediate and now you're competing in an All Ireland quarter final. Again, I dare say it's kind of patronizing to say, Oh, you're happy enough with a quarter final, narrow enough defeat and holding your own. I presume you want to go on to bigger and better things. Oh,
8: yeah, definitely. Last
1: four potentially is in your sights over the next couple of years.
8: Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, we're hoping to build and build and I suppose like it's a testament to all the underages in our in our in our county are going from are all up in A's now. Minors, under 16s, under 14s, we're all up in the A grades. We're competing at the best we can. Um, I suppose what's really, really good is that there's loads of success underage with the schools in Watford as well. They're in Munster colleges, A colleges, all finals as well. And... um, we got even Beck Carrington last year, she got our first Water All Star as well. Like you know, that was the first ever in Watford. So hopefully we'll build on that now for the next couple of years and I don't think like we're ever gonna rest in our laurels and say, Oh yeah we will be happy to meet like to be meeting in the quarterfinal. We want to be competing with the likes of Corks, Kilkenny's, Galways, like you know, we want to be up there at the top, we want to be into Crow Park, like you know, we're not gonna just say we're happy to plod along this year.
1: Well that's very interesting because quite often what you have is uh, a quirk in the system where one great bunch of players come along in a generation and they achieve something and then they fade back down to mediocrity or down to intermediate or junior in this case but from what you're saying there it seems that there is a structure in place that this is going to see continued success for Waterford water Camogie for the next couple of decades potentially what is the main reason behind that? Is there, has there just been a greater focus on the sport in the county?
8: I suppose um, when we came from junior we uh, there was a good group of us then and then we went on to intermediate and it took us maybe three years to get up to from intermediate up to senior there's a massive step Step up between intermediate and senior, like in the in like the country. I suppose it depends what managers you get. Being honest, like not a lot of hurling managers want to get into Camogie because they want to see it as a step. They prefer to get into an underage boy structure as opposed to uh, a senior, maybe women's structure or whatever the case may be. But um, they'd be really, really. It'll be. I suppose Waterford looked at. We need to get up to the senior standard. We need to get up there. We want to be competing. We want just don't want to just have a couple of people that would bring us through it. So they looked at from the last maybe four or five years, they looked at bringing on the under-14s, under-15s, under-16s. They made all the way a couple of years through. Like, I think it was Saturday, we had an under-14 trial, and there was 128 people at it. Wow. Just for the under-14 trial, like, you know. So it's all the county board, and all the people are volunteering in the county. They don't want to just see one blip through. They want to just keep it going and keep it going, keep consistently coming through. So that's why all the younger girls, like, our average age might be 21 in the panel now, because they just want girls to come through, come through and come through, like.
1: I guess from your perspective, it's good to see other counties around Munster stepping it up. Maybe in a couple of years, if uh, the, the parity is there and there's consistent good Waterford teams, you'll probably reverse that opinion. But at the moment, it's probably good to see <laughs> as many good counties as possible coming through.
9: Yeah, it's definitely. It's good. Um, like last year, Tipperary made a semi-final. And Waterford. we played Waterford and the Munster as well. And with Cork, like, we have huge respect for the likes of Tipperary, the likes of Waterford, Because when they play against us, they go for it. They don't put 10 behind the ball they, they genuinely go for it and it makes it exciting like it's a good game to watch so we, we have huge respect for the likes of Tip and Waterford and they can only get better so it's good to see that there's more teams competing in the championship
0: Alright so some shots fired a little bit by uh, Amy O'Connor you're talking about the state of the game you're like you know so those games against Kilkenny why are they so hard to watch well they're very defensive that's what I took from that I mean maybe um, maybe we're um but those teams do not
1: like each other no they really don't Cork and Kilkenny hate each other And it's great. Uh, So it's Alton Kenny's fault that last year's All Ireland final was a fairly poor affair. Uh, Like we did mention the referee there. And to be fair, like you can't blame the referee, but you can blame the rules and the rules that are being implemented. And, you know, the, the lack of being able to go full contact like hurling, that just needs to change. That, needs, that needs to be. That needs to be ruled. It just needs to be flipped on its head right now because it's going to make the game far more palatable for people to watch. And that is probably the main reason why there's such a disparity in attendance between All Ireland Camogie Final Day and All Ireland Ladies Football Final Day.
0: Yeah, they probably need to get the marketing right as well. Be, it? Yeah. That, that's, definitely, that's definitely improved over the last couple of years. Yeah, I think you need help from brands like Littlewoods who are coming along and saying, "Okay, we're going to do this and we're going to put our half behind it because um, you know, they're used to reaching large audiences." And look, it, it's the type of thing that. It's like the Cork football story. Once everybody decides we're going to fix this, you begin to fix things. And that's what it takes. Yeah, basically. And I
1: I think they're on the right path. I think
0: just fixing some, there's some
1: easy wins in uh, fixing top level camogie and rules and like allowing it to basically uh, be just a different version of hurling would be a lot better, I think.
0: Yeah. All right, so Neve Rocker was obviously part of that conversation there and has been named as the Waterford captain for the coming season, but it's been an incredible battle for her to get this far. At the age of just 16, she was told by doctors that if she continued to play competitive sport, she would end up in a wheelchair. Have a look.
1: I did want to ask uh, about being a dual player, but also about you were a dual player as well, Previously, you played other sports, you're just playing camogie at the moment.
8: Yeah, yeah, I'm just playing camogie, yeah.
1: To what extent is that down to the injuries that you've gone through?
8: Yeah, look, I suppose when I was um, 16, I was playing hockey, football, soccer and camogie all together. I, that's why I went into PE teaching. I'm just sport, a sport fanatic, really. And um, I got told I need to go for an operation on my knee. I was limping on my knee and I got keyhole on my knee and I was told I need to break my knees and realign them um, at 16 by like a doctor as well. Um, so, my father was quite upset as well, so he kind of took me out of the hospital, he's like, no, we'll play on for a couple of years, and patch it up, kind of a thing, go to a few physios and stuff like that, like, but, uh. Very Irish, Yeah, reaction. very Irish, like a pure Irish daddy, like, you know. Then, um, it wasn't really, it wasn't sufficing, really, like, you know. Then I went to play the match against Meade in the Intermediate in one of the Division 2 League, and I got a really bad bang there, uh, a girl kind of stuck out her leg as I was running past her. And I just got a concussion that game. I didn't walk for like, or I didn't jog for like 15 months after that. like...
1: So, so when was this? This was a couple of years after the initial. Yeah, so I like, 18, 19 years old. Um,
8: at the time, then, I was about maybe 20. Right, okay. And uh, it was a couple of years after, and uh, it was just all down to. It. So then I went and got my I got done in Santry in Dublin and got my knee. My knee came out of place, had to be realigned and stuff again. And uh, the doctor told me I shouldn't be playing anymore. And he said, like, you know, there's just too much wear and tear. There's no cartilage behind my kneecap. Um, so it was really really tough to take at the time because everything in my life was sports and um, it was really really hard because like when you're playing all sports and Amy know herself like you know she played loads of soccer as well like you know you have to pick between one and never maybe never even get to play one even the game mm. like Amy played a couple of different sports but like not even being able to play any sport it was really really hard to take so I went down to Cork and I went to physio Declan Sullivan and he was just brilliant and he just kind of said look we'll just take it as we see it and, like, we'll try to get your back run, but, like, we're trying to... main thing is rehabilitation, like, you know? So now I suppose I'm lucky with the way the management have now at the moment. They can just... I have arthritis in my knee, like, you know, so it could be really, really bad some days. Some days I might be after sleeping all night. Some days I might be good and I'm able to do training. But he, they'd be very good, like, they'd be able to go to the gym or go on the bike instead of doing tra- pitch sessions and stuff. Yeah. So it's all about mind as well. Like, I don't know if I have one year or if I have three years, like, you know? Uh, hopefully, I'll have a bit more than three years, but like yeah. I don't know. I just keep playing until like, I can't play anymore. I suppose.
1: And what was the end game if it didn't work out? As in, so in sanctuary, they said that you shouldn't be playing. What happens? What What was the worst case scenario if you did keep playing? In their view,
8: their view is that I'm going to be in a wheelchair by the time I'm thirty. That's what they said. Like by the time you're thirty, you're thirty-one. You are 30 or 31 you will not be able to run anymore. Like you know, it'll be just continuous wear and tear. And like thankfully, there's new methods coming out. And I did an interview last year, and someone wrote to me on uh, Facebook, and they said to me that they read my interview, and they had a similar problem with their knee, and they recommended a, a clinic in Dublin that actually inserts cartilage into your knee to kind of protect your kneecap. So I'm going to be looking into that now, maybe next year at the off season as well. Like you know, so. Uh, There's always different methods that are coming out. I suppose, like, I don't know what my knee is going to be like or how good of a PE teacher I'll be in a couple of years' time, I suppose. You might call it naive or stupidity or something, but, like, I just love the game so much that I keep going. And there will be a day that I'll say I can't go anymore, but for now I'm just trying to mind myself and try to play as best I can.
0: That's uh, knee Rocket from the Waterford Camogie team talking about um, incredible knee injuries and that she suffered and uh, great to see her back. So anyway, let's move on because um, we're going to talk a bit about the Sopranos. We're going to bring you our uh, crappy, snappy quiz and we're going to bring you this as well. So uh, we've been talking a good bit about Munster and their identity and exactly what the philosophy of Johan van Graan's Munster is going to look like when eventually he gets all his players available to him. Last weekend, pretty much all the players that he needed to be able to affect his game plan properly we're on the field, so have a look. Here he is talking about the improvements that they made recently.
5: Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think that over the last 14 months we've we've made some some improvements in in the Munster game, and it's definitely not only down to me. It's uh, a lot of coaches and a lot of players involved, and everybody chipping away and giving their their input. And I said it from the first day: uh, this club is not about me. Um, I'm just the coach at this stage and you've got to drive it obviously there's a lot of things that I believe in that that I think that we are currently doing well and I think one of those things are decision making uh, yes the attack's becoming better but our kicking game as well and the way we maul and if you've got a 9 and a 10 and a 12 and a 15 that makes good decisions and puts you on the front foot you do put pressure on teams in, in the own 22 and no, I thought the, the kicking over the last two weeks was very good and the fact that we kicked well gave us broken-fuel opportunities and we've managed to punish the, the, the last two teams with that. So Yes, there's improvements, but there's a, there's a long way to go.
0: Yeah, It's really a team transformed from the two European, from Highland Cup semi-final defeats in the last two seasons when you consider the talent that they have available to them now versus the talent that was available on those days. Did Farrell play in either of those games really fit? No, sure, he, he would have been, been gone for the yeah, last year. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. so he, he suffered the injury in during the Six Nations and missed the semi-final, and they had nothing. And they've got a full-back now that allows them to play their two others who maybe had to, so obviously Ores was always in the wing. But like, Conway on the wing, I think that's a point that kind of hasn't been pushed out there enough,
1: the, the idea of Conway being back in the wing. Obviously, when Zebra was playing full-back got a good bit of time on the
0: wing, but now I, it definitely seems that the best no, combination sorry, of back three. You've just reminded me they didn't pick Zeebo at the start of the uh, semi-final last year, which was a ludicrous decision, and oh, yeah. one that they're going to have to retrospectively go, oh, what were we doing? But anyway, they didn't, um, and that was a mistake. Uh, it seems like they've got those mistakes out of their system, and now they've just got a much better, a much better flow, not to mention the obvious, they've got a 10 who can unlock all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, I mean, obviously it has been pointed out quite a bit
1: since Friday night, but it does help that he is playing beside the best scrum half in the world, behind one of the best back rows in European club rugby, really, at the moment, and a pack that is on song. So it, that's definitely helped the whole situation quite a bit, and it helps somebody like him who's made mistakes, uh, like in the, the cash game. To be fair, I wonder, are we hamming up, actually, the idea of what a disaster that cash game really was? The People are like, oh, it's amazing, he's kicked 100% off the tee since then but was it not simply the fact that it was just a really crap day in cast and
0: a lot of the kicks were really tricky? I don't know, I think that, um, that... That definitely has to come into it a little bit. Yeah, but also I think that like bouncing back from setbacks is the type of stuff that you look for from all of your best players who are going to be leaders into the future, and loads of players quail when that happens. Yeah,
1: that, that is true, that is true. It could have been an opportunity from to pack it in and just go into a shell for a couple of
0: weeks and try and regenerate as a season more on and everybody but that talks, hasn't happened and everybody talks about how it's going to take time to settle into a new system blah 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 but actually screw that I'm really good and uh, we are now to a point where they're title contenders like an, anything short of a really strong semi-final performance from Munster this year where they're right in it to the very end is going to be a massive disappointment the weird thing is when we did our crystal ball last
1: Friday you tipped Munster to win the Champions Cup and I tipped Leinster I'm sure your view is hardened since Friday night, but my view is also hardened a little bit since Saturday and watching that Leicester performance on Saturday. like if I know it's a big if in the current landscape that everybody does get fit, but even if there is uh, as 60% of the absentees from Leicester are fit from the business end of the Champions Cup, you have to say there isn't a squad in Europe like it, there isn't a team in Europe like it. Like, you have to say even on the starting 15 level, before you get into the depth of them versus Munster, they are still the, the the benchmark. They are still the favourites. And for me, there is still a you, bit of distance between them and
0: the rest. If you put the... Because uh, you, you had the if there, if everybody's fit. So if you put the two teams that played the weekend up against each other in a semi-final in the Aviva... That is the question. I, and I think
1: Munster win. In the Aviva, does that tip the scales in, in answer's favour a bit? It, it, it probably does, a, a tiny bit. But... Um, not hugely, I would suspect. I, I would say if you put those two teams up against, and that is a good question. If you put those two teams up against each other from Friday against Leicester Saturday team, I think Munster win. But the thing is, Leinster are so far away from full strength. It's absurd that they were that good in the second half against Toulouse. It's not beyond the band's
0: possibility that that's that team or are, are an equivalent of that team. <coughs> Pardon me, is the team James Lowe will play? Yes. Um, Johnny Sexton will play. Robbie Henshaw will play. Well, only if they're fit. Like come the semi-finals of the Champions Cup well let, let's wait and see you know I mean they would obviously play if they're fit no doubt 100% they would play if they're fit but um, I just don't know if I don't know if, I, I don't have very high expectations that a lot of the players who are frontliners for Ireland are going to be fit for a lot of games for the rest of the season certainly but the pack I, like I think the, there are going to be little niggles that normally you play through in big games that this year they're like I like your hustle that's why I'm going to have to cut you Yeah,
1: this one out uh, yeah, you, you do wonder if there was if they were at the end of their tether in Bilbao last year, up against Rasting. Obviously, it was. I'm not sure it was one of their poorer performances in the Champions Cup, but it was certainly the closest game they had, and that's kind of kind of down to how good Rasting were in parts of that game as well. But you do wonder if they were close to the end, and as you say, if they're in that position this year, are they risking that player in that position with the the big autumn we've got coming up from an Irish perspective? Yeah,
0: I mean, it depends, I suppose. You would like to think that because the game is so big and it's great testing ground to keep players at a a level and they've got enough time to come back down. But if it's like a hamstring injury that has the potential to become chronic or if it's like a back injury that they're unsure of, no, you're not playing.
1: Yeah, and like that may be the case with with a lot of those people in the pack because they've had their injuries down through the years. I, I wouldn't be too concerned about some of the backs, to be quite honest. I think once Henshaw's back in full flow he kind of tends to get that way where it's not really a, a kind of a question about it. The, the James Lowe situation obviously isn't uh, injury-related, but uh, once he's back, that, that's two huge players straight away, like Henshaw and Lowe, uh, even if you just take two of them is what I'm trying to say, that's still a vastly improved team. And you're talking about a vastly improved team
0: from a team that just crushed two lose. Yeah, so if you put Henshaw and Lowe on that team, are you... Just pick pick any two. But tilt it back, is that, does that tilt it back enough? Does any two tilt it back? Yes, yes. To a slight, to a slight favouritism.
1: You add them all in, and they're healthy enough favourites, I think. Hmm. That being said, you know, you look at what happened on. In Dan Tholmond over the course of Christmas and uh, like, I- is that actually going to become part of the storyline now? But there was no Chris Farrell in Towman, and there was no was Peter Manny playing that. Like well, that's what I mean. I mean, the, I mean yeah. I'm using that to support Monster's case, obviously. Yeah. And the, like the Thomond factor may take it back again, but I, I do think that is be- becoming part of the narrative.
0: So many of those uh, monster players, obviously, are right at home at the Aviva, given that they're actually Leinster players. Uh, Fergal Kearney says oh, experimental GAA rules. Everyone given out about football, so they change the rules. Everyone now given out about changing the rules. If you don't play football as a child, I actually don't understand how you can watch it. Hashtag OTBAM. The, the game is gone, is the phrase I believe that uh, they use in instances like this. When it's good, it's still great. Are you worried about the future of getting football?
1: Yes, of course I am. Why? Because there's been so many terrible games over the last few years. And in fact, it's become pandemic to the point where there are far more crap games. Pandemic. Endemic. than uh, there are good games, which is the and worst Andy. thing about this. Keep going. Come on. Pandemic. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Uh, like it, we, the lack of a Mayo in the business end of last year's championship really showed up what football is. Um, like without a, a
0: gutsy team who are willing to put it up to the best team in the country. Or we didn't talk about it, but um, hurling generates eight hundred grand more than football for Leinster. Was the column key story? Key is great with the figures. Yeah, just to kind of pointing that out. Now, okay, there's a replay, right? But it's only it brings in a quarter of a million. Also, if I was Galway, I'd be looking at this going, right? Yeah, what? I'm sorry, what? You're making loads of money off the back of having us in your senior championship. Oh, come on. Like the, the reason why
1: that made loads more money last year is because of the new format. Uh, fair enough. There's, there's extra games. Like it's not like Galway have been there for, for the, as far as I can remember now at this point. So it's,
0: Saving the Leinster Championship over the last decade when no one would keep the ball poked out to Kilkenny. Yeah, but if you're talking
1: about transforming it from last year to this year and making that profit, you can't just say, of course, Galway being there helps,
0: but yeah. it's not like a. And Galway getting the game in Salt Hill. Uh, which brought in a quarter of a million 248,235 generated by Kilkenny's trip to Salt Hill. It's a bloody good championship the Leinster hurling
1: championship enhanced by the fact that there was a round robin format. The figures enhanced by the fact that there are more games due to that format. There aren't very many good games in the Leinster championship. In fact there isn't one single meaningful game in the Leinster football no. championship due to no. the fact that it's a foregone conclusion. That being said, you take Dublin out of the Leinster football championship and it suddenly becomes the best football championship in the country. Nah, that's all bollocks. Most competitive, well, I mean no. Ultra's, yes. is still better. No. Yes. Disagree. Disag- <laughs> disagree. In terms of most competitive, the quality is way quality, better. I'm not talking about quality. <laughs> the quality so, I'm not talking about you said quality. The best.
0: I, OK, let me rearrange those yeah, words. So let's say like, most competitive instead oh, of best. And now it's, the most, it's also the most mediocre.
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not sure about that. Oh, let's watch this turgid mediocrity. At least it's close. I mean, I mean, in terms of com- yeah, like competitiveness. Division, division three football, like, lo- long for beating Mead last year, Carlo beating uh, Kildare. Like division these, three, the hardest division to get out take of. Take this in isolation. <laughs> what I'm of course, nobody from the Leinster Championship is going to win
0: the All Ireland. No, but um, it would be a bloody good championship between ten teams. Adrian McGrath says the uh, twelve managers who responded should be made public in order to see whether the loudest critics responded. No, oh, it's a good yeah, point. A good point. It's if if only some enterprising journalists could get their hands on. The leaked submissions from the managers. Yeah, these rules are grand, that's fine. Ah, these rules are an abomination. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Or silence from 20 managers obviously didn't bother their holes responding. Yeah,
1: I'm sure they're they're busy uh, phoning up their players and seeing if they're ready to go for the new year and stuff like that. And they can't be bothered
0: with the the wider picture of uh, Gaelic games. Keen Ryan says the game is not in crisis. The only crisis is championship structures and fixtures. Well, it's a bigger crisis for sure. It's that that the, is the it is the big issue, uh, and that's the preeminent one. The only slight counter-argument to this is that um, those club football matches in well, I don't know it's a it was a it was somebody against Stockdale, wasn't it? The, yeah, uh, had the back and forth. Now Stockdale were like the best team in Derry for Very a long period Lee. of time, um, but so they're two relatively even teams, right? And the notion that the even teams will automatically lead to attacking football isn't true at club level. Having said that, you would expect most counties to be slightly better, and the counties who will be better will be rewarded because they're the ones who win over a consistent period of time and things will change. So I don't know if that's just aping the inter-county, if that's just not very good coaches and managers across the country spreading the virus of mediocre football because they see it at inter level or if it is actually what's effective at club level? Well, one
1: decent solution is not going to fix a massive problem here. I would ask people to suggest when was the last time we saw a truly great intercounty football match between two teams of vastly different quality. The answer is it rarely, rarely happens. Like the best games last year, Armagh against Roscommon, similar enough standard. Galway against Kildare, similar enough standard. And they were the two standout football games from my recollection of last year's football championship and that is the key. You will get a better chance of Clare good games. Mayo was a
0: far better game than Galway. there Mayo,
1: another one. Um, two Division 1 teams, of course, Kildare ended up getting relegated last year from Division 1 but still, relatively similar standards. You have a better chance if you're putting better teams together and worse teams together.
0: Uh, it's not going to be fixed anything nor will these rules. James Morney says, it all depends on what type of game we want. To me, I'd have made one change and look at limiting how many can tackle the ball players surround him. It might make the game more man-on-man. And well, you know we may as well reassign the twenty two thousand three All Ireland to
1: Kerry. In that point, why? You not know, the absolute savagery from Tyrone in the <laughs> All Ireland semi-final. The
0: crowding out. The crowding of the man. <laughs> oh, you're such a victim. Neil Keegan says, uh, "Lads, it's not the scrum; it's counting hand passes. If the ref can't count, then it's a problem." It's a fair point. It's hard. Like you look away. Was that a, was that a kick pass or a hand pass? I, you know, I didn't see the ball. Just floats. A lot of kick passes now have the same trajectory because, you know, the skills of the game have improved to a point where footballers can kick up both feet. Uh, Kieran Burns says the experimental GA rules, I remember everyone saying hurling was in crisis as a sport when the Sweet River became popular at the start of Derek McGrath's tenure. This year was one of the greatest hurling years ever. New rules, no way. There's definitely a sense that putting those teams up against each other in quick succession led to teams trying to find a way and... Um, this is quick it's going to be over in five or six weeks we yeah you can't just be defensive cuz i don't know
1: there is a difference between a sweeper and the full defensive system now that a, a sweeper is effective in hurling because there isn't blanket defenses like yeah, and you can score from so far out that also helps for sure if you were like if you could play seven men behind the ball uh, not including the goalkeeper in Gaelic football it would be far better than the
0: alternative we have at the moment like, that is playing a sweeper plus your six backs. What, it, like, I mean, would it be stupid to have you're limited to this part of the field and you're limited to this part of the field and you can only have a certain number of people? It do, it, there's something weird about that. I don't, I don't know. Does it I'd like s- to trial it for a couple of games and
1: see. I'd like, yeah, I'd like to see the impact of, of it. Like, the, the half court violation as they have in basketball, which Joe Brody is suggesting, I'd like to see that in action as well. But does that just compress people into. The opposition blanket defence a little bit more. There's always a negative to be said about each and every one of these suggestions. I'd kind of like to see most of them in action and make a verdict after that. And uh, the National League is obviously
0: a good ground for that. Uh, Football has become unwatchable by anyone other than the utterly committed. Maybe that's not important. Here's the thing that's not true. Like, if you watched Kildare's games in the Championship last year, they get knocked out by a a team who are inferior to them. So, I mean, that's the last time there was a good football match between a team who was markedly inferior Carlo-Kildare game in the oh, championship. Sorry, yeah. And then after that, all their games were actually really interesting. Like they played Derry, two early goals, Derry make a comeback, seemingly abandoning their defensive nonsense, and uh, Kildare squeak a win. They have another game before the Mayo game, I think, or maybe the Mayo game is next. Um, no, they have another game before the Mayo game. Then there's They the play for Manor? game. Yeah, they did. Like... Okay, I'm obviously biased because I'm interested in what they're doing, but those games were good games. Like they're the type of championship matches that you want to see. And they could have had those in division 2 of the championship and then got promoted at the end of the year and it was a, it was a positive year. It made sense because they made them their way into the super eights. Like but instead, that championship is completely irrelevant to this year's league campaign, which makes no sense. Yeah, like
1: just having two separate non-concurrent running uh, events it doesn't make sense really either like it's it's worked for soccer down through the years but even that is starting to to weigh in quite significantly significantly when it comes to actual cup competitions like the league is the best competition we have in Gaelic football and it's the least important if you discount pre-season
0: uh, Robert Hardigan says The Sopranos is still even by current standards the best TV show ever made hashtag o bam Keanu Manning says Sopranos one of the best and always will be hashtag o and Darren siren says it's hard to even compare The Sopranos to crime dramas that have come after it it's easily better than any anything bar the wire it's the family drama element to it that sets it apart from the likes of True Detective only shows that come sorry only show that comes local to it which is an interesting phraseology but I like it Darren good man only show that comes local to it is Breaking Bad IMO and The Wire. About Breaking is Bad. So there's like a five TV series that everybody talks about. The Sopranos, The Wire, um, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, and the last one is Mad Men. Where, where did you send Mad Men? I got through, I think I got to the end of season 2. All right, you
1: stopped. Yeah. uh, It wasn't that I was that bored of it. I just wasn't that into it at the time. If I got back into it now, I'd probably have a better run of it. The rest of them, like Breaking Bad, I'm definitely the school of thought that it was a slow starter. A lot of people disagree with that, that it was actually quite a quick starter, I think. Once you make it to midway through Season 3, get into Season 4, Breaking Bad, then you're away. But, like, there is a lot of sitting through, a lot of crap. Like, the Fly episode in Breaking Bad, which a lot of people will uh, be familiar with, is one of the worst television episodes of anything ever made. <laughs> so to say that one of the worst ah. television shows of anything ever made ah. is one of the best television shows ever made. Kind of is a bit of a contradiction, but I do love it in general. Um, like, the, out of that, uh, Quintess, The Sopranos is the one I'm definitely least familiar with. I've only kind of fl- flirted with the first season. And that was kind of when Sky Atlantic first launched. And I was like, this is amazing. you can seriously to The Sopranos. And then I kind of had to do my leaving cert or something.
0: Stupid school getting in the way. Yeah. Uh, So we're going to go back and um, watch The Sopranos from the start. And, um, you know, you can shit on it week after week after week.
1: Well, I'm I'm just saying that I'm not getting my hopes up to the point where it is glorified beyond all those other television shows. I I do expect it to be in that bracket. So it, it is relative expectation. But the idea that it is head and shoulders above everything else... Considering I've seen The Wire and watched Game of Thrones, I'm not, not I'm not
0: sure it can be better than those two. It's not head and shoulders above The Wire because it, it just isn't. But then The Wire is dragged down by the lead balloon that is season, season five. four, season f- season five, season five. The one
1: with with all the journalists.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, terrible season. Yeah, and uh, they ran out of money and they weren't sure they were going to get allowed to make the same. There's, there's a shorter number of episodes, so maybe if that isn't as condensed as it is. It's not bad, but equally, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, maybe in retrospect, and when you see the rise of fake news and you see how Donald Trump is the end result of people making up stories, trying to win Pulitzer, it's like, okay, huh. maybe there was uh, more to that than we thought the first time around, but Sopranos is amazing. Like, anyway, uh, Brian Dunhu says, a decent five-year plan from Cork, buying from the clubs is critical. Aidan McGrath, oh, I did that one, sorry. And the Polymelanagy, hey, 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 don't drag air crash investigation into this, it's a great show. Not going to lie, i never seen a full air crash investigation.
1: Neither have I. What's it on? Like Bravo, that t- television channel still exists? Um, World's Most Amazing Videos was a good one. By. That's kind of what it uh, reminds me of.
0: Uh, but you just find those on YouTube now, right? Well, that's true. It really killed that. And you've been framed was another victim of YouTube. Uh, Paulie Malanadji would take it more serious than Mayweather and beat Connor earlier. Only a fool and his money are easily parted. Turns out loads of people and their money are easily parted. You don't have to be a fool. Uh, Are you using that comment to back up your argument and saying that you won that argument? That
1: loads of people would watch this.
0: Over under on how much money everybody makes from it. Uh, thirty million
1: each.
7: <laughs> that's a load of money.
1: No, I'm not, sorry, that's that's an individual but that's that's purse. Like that's not that's before pay-per-view. I don't know, I'm not I'm not like I'm not great when it comes to like figures <laughs> in general and numbers, like in terms of what the standard is for uh, a big fight like this, and what can be expected?
0: All right. As we mentioned earlier, Keith Andrews and Kevin Caban popped in for our snappy quiz, which is available on Snapchat to Discover. To find it, just open up Snapchat and search for Off the Ball. You can subscribe there. Here's a sample of what you can expect.
1: Okay, it is crappy quiz time here on Off the Ball on Snapchat. It is Keith versus Kev versus Jer. It's great hair against grand hair against the diminishing amount of hair. <laughs> You're
6: a wanker. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: We were having a debate before we came on air about veganism. It is veganism. describe here. your own it's hair? 2v2. Uh, well, you know, I'm not going to comment on my own
0: hair. Let's sharp. <laughs>
1: yeah. let, let people out there judge You're on me. others, or on us. Why
3: can't we comment on yours? Yeah, go for it. I'm just come back to us in
0: five years' time when you're yeah. Wayne Rooney's. You're like a st- little stitch
1: you <laughs> <one in." laughs> If I can afford to be Wayne rooney I'm 100% doing it. No chance. Yes, I am.
3: You, why would you? More hair. I oh, would. come on. No, you paired. wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. All so well and good gravy. You can't be gone bald. No chance. <laughs> no chance. Uh, there, there's two things I want to do in life, Kev,
1: unacceptable. Is save my it's not vain It's too vain. That's all I'm putting out there now. Sorry, go on. save my hairline and save the planet. That is the biggest priority for me. And uh, myself and Keith, well, Keith's actually followed through with it, uh, has yeah. become a vegan. and save saved the planet. Why haven't you?
3: Because um, I like meat too much. What about the planet? Do you I like the me, planet? I love the planet, yeah. Do you like life? Okay, I'm thinking I'm, thi- I'm thinking of my children. Yes, of course I am, uh, but I will not be starting on a vegan diet, no. But uh, can I ask you so what's the point of being on a vegan diet if you, if you want to drink 10 pints of Guinness on a weekend? Because or 15 pints of Guinness? Guinness isn't bad for, as bad for the planet as uh, the production of meat is. Can you, can, you, can you say that for a fact? Yes, fact. How do you know? Fact. Because it's know? made out
7: of, Guinness like, doesn't
0: fact. farts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, you do get Guinness farts, but they're not as bad as the meat anything from the cows.
3: I don't want to go on a vegan diet. I like meat, I like eating meat, I like, I enjoy meat. Um, I, I'm not. Exe- I'm not in excess eating meat, but I enjoy eating meat. Why? Why would I so want do to change I? that?
1: Why do I want to change that diet to save the planet? Seventy percent reduction in your footprint if you go vegan. Is that right? You yep. So, you, are you are you vegan? Are you on a vegan diet now? I love meat as well, Kev, but I'm seriously considering it. Well, well, well you're not. You're not a vegan <laughs> at the moment, then. Absolute bollocks. Serious to God now. I see. Honestly. Uh, yeah. I thought we were doing a quiz. Okay, one day. Yeah. yeah, let's do a quiz. You ready to yeah. do a quiz? Okay, so it's uh, pretty self-explanatory. Round one is the who's got more assists round. So I'm going to give you the name of two players. All you've got to do is tell me who's notched more Premier League assists in their entire career. Right. So question one for you, Keith. Who's got more Premier League assists? <coughs> Frank Lampard or Steven Gerrard? You don't have to write it down. You just oh, just say, say it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I was
3: hiding
2: it and everything yeah.
1: Don't worry, I'm not, I'm not looking at you, Steve Gerrard. Nah, it's Frank Lampard. you got a bit of paper there. You 102 paper. assists. Yeah, you got a bit of paper there. Uh, Steven Gerrard has got 92 assists. Uh, so a bit of a surprise there, Keith. No score. Uh, question one for you, Kev. Who's got more Premier League assists? Demian Duff or Mesut Ozil? Ozil. No. It's Demian Duff. <laughs> Duff's got 55. Ozil's got 51. Oh, my God. It's not very close. <laughs> very close, yeah. Very close. It's, uh, it's close all the way. Gerr? Who's got more Premier League assists? Juan Mata or Leighton Baines? Juan Mata. No, Baines. no it's Leighton Baines. Yes. Baines is 53, Mata has 50. So after round number one, Definitely not uh, we're entirely scoreless. <coughs> Uh, round two, how do you feel after that? You know, It's, it's your first time in the graphic as first
2: I prefer Steve so I'm okay with that. Yeah, I was, I
1: was hoping that somebody might be in the lead here and actually trash talk for us, but that's not going to happen. Hopefully somebody takes the lead after round two. Yeah, it is you gets versus right. the clock. Uh, so in this round, you've got to name as many items from a list I'm going to give you, and you've only got ten seconds to do so. What? So you get a point from, for each item from the list that I ask you to name. You okay. get a So, point. you know, things that are read or something. I, I will give you a, a thing, and you've got to <clears> name as many of that, that thing as possible. In ten seconds, it's pretty simple. Ants, You're cars. up first. Mm. So, Keith, name as many Premier League Golden Boot winners this century. You've got ten seconds. Go.
2: Aguero, Drogba. This century. Yes. Uh, Fowler, Henri, uh, Harry Kane.
1: Times up. <laughs> You've got four. Aguero, Drogba, Henri and Kane. Uh, so going in alphabetical order, Aguero 2015, Anelka 2009, Berbertov 2011. Uh, joint winner with Tevez actually that year. Rooney. Uh, Rooney is not one is of golden boots. Wayne Rooney really has not won a Premier League Golden Boot. He not? Ronaldo. Uh, Ronaldo, yeah, 2008. Hasselback, 2001, is one that I wouldn't Shall have got. Uh, Henri's won it four times. Kane's won it twice. Uh, Kevin Phillips in 2000. Suarez. First winner Su- of the century. Kev. Suarez, Su- 2014. Kev. Salah last year. Ronaldo, as we said. Tev, as I've, as I've already mentioned, Van Nistelrooy in 2003. And his countryman, Robin Van Persie, twice okay. in 2012 and in 2013. Yeah. So, Keith, you're on a score of four. It's uh, tough going, now. Kev, you are up. Name as many current Premier League jersey sponsors. You've got ten seconds. Go. Bloody
3: hell. It's in betting companies. Honestly, yeah. Bet three, six. I don't know. Jeez, I don't know. Honestly, I don't pay any attention to betting sponsors.
7: Oh, what oh. oh. capitulation. <laughs> 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 I couldn't, get, out. I couldn't get them for it out there. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Did we
1: get one? That one? Is no. That even one yeah, No. Bet three, six, five. That was stoked. They were gone from the Premier League. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to help. So Chevy? Uh, Let's let's go from an alphabetical order. To be fair, it's extremely tough. It was much easier yeah. ten years ten years ago, I think. Yeah. So AIA. I, I, if you said to me from the 80s i I'd be yeah. going Hitachi, yeah. <laughs> uh... Sharp. I'd be going all these sort of lines. Yeah. Yeah. Crown Paint. Yeah. He's, this, you're gonna have to make some sort of newcastle comeback here. Keith is four 0 up on you. So yeah. it's AIA well. for Spurs, American Express for Brighton. The stadium is named after. Uh, Betway West Ham. Got it. Wouldn't have got it. Chevrolet Manchester United. Maybe we got that one. Daffabet Fulham. Etihad no. Manchester United. Fly yeah. Emirates I mean. Arsenal. Yeah. Fun eighty eight. Newcastle, FX Pro, Watford, King Power, Leicester, mm. LABA 360, uh, Burnley, which I would not what have is got. It? No. Uh, LABA, LABA. That's a bang, That's a bankable, uh, isn't it, yeah? so, question, Kevin. Yeah. yeah, M88, yeah. Bournemouth, Manbet X, Palace, Oakland, well, I do Sports. all the commentary
3: on teams, I actually do
1: not look at the, yeah, uh, at the sponsor of the side true. yet. Sport PESA is Everton, Standard Chartered, Liverpool, Tourism Malaysia, Cardiff, Virgin Media, Southampton, as you boys should know, W88 is Wolves, and Yokohama Tires. Uh, is Chelsea, so a score of zero there. So uh, the comeback of all comebacks required, Kev. Right there you go. Question two for you, Jer. Name as many countries that have hosted the World Cup. Joint hosts count as one. Ten seconds, go.
0: Brazil, Germany, Italy, Spain, England, Japan, South Korea. Good,
1: thoughts. So six. Six, go. Uh, you got Argentina, England, Germany, Italy, Japan, and South Korea, which counts as one, as, and Spain. The ones you missed were Brazil... I said Brazil first. Sorry, Brazil is most Sorry, you missed Argentina. Uh, you missed Chile. Oh, she's just gone through an order. That was You missed France. Speech. You missed Mexico, oh, Russia. America, South Africa. Oh, you say South Africa. Africa. Uh, yeah. Sweden, yeah. Switzerland, the United States, and the Uruguay were the other ones. So uh, you've got six. That's so it's a bit easier, your question. Oh, I, uh, yeah, I, I nailed that, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I, I was thinking who is the professional footballer, former professional footballer, and who's not. I can't believe the you missed the,
0: uh, who has more assists. Keith I Adler, think, I think he's out.
3: more likely to get the, the uh, sponsors than me. That's what I would say. That was Jer, Jer pays. Jer is very much like pays attention Marker. to things, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, the Emirates. Yeah, the
0: yeah. yeah, Etihad. Yeah. I might have been able to name those. Yeah. Uh, so it's
1: uh, Jer on six, Keith on four, Kevin on zero. As you go into round number three, you can make a big comeback here, Kevin. Yeah, right, we'll Let's because see. Because this is the closest to the number round. You're all going to write down an answer to the following question. And the closest of number wins three points. So if you're closest here, Kev, uh, you go back within one point or three points of uh, Keith or Ger, respectively. So tell me the exact number of senior Ireland caps sitting in this studio. Write down a number. We're going to need you to
4: commit a pen to paper here, Kev. Yeah.
1: Keith, we're going to need an answer. <laughs> uh, Keith, I mean, time's uh, off.
2: i i got 139 is uh, Keith's. 152 is
1: Kev. Yeah. 151. Five, 151. Five, 145 is the answer. Woo-hoo! Jero wins the point.
0: Oh, how do you do not know?
1: <laughs> wait, <laughs> no, wait, sorry. You're 151. One, yeah. And you're 139. That's yeah. equidistant from 145. Oh. So I thought Keith had four. I,
3: I, had down, I had him down for 42. I'm down for 37. 35.
0: How many of you, though? Got-
3: 110. I said you down for one
1: hundred and four, one
0: hundred fourteen.
1: You've got equidistant. No, what
0: have
3: you got? One
4: hundred ten.
1: You've
3: got one hundred ten. Right? Yeah, so no, I've you got that number right
1: yourself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm>,
3: <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> it's the only
1: one I've got right. <laughs> so, so what was the correct 30. answer? Eight. The correct answer is one hundred forty-five. So you were one hundred fifty-one, which is six away. You're one hundred thirty-nine, which is six away. But Sorry. isn't it?
2: Closest without going over. Yeah. That's no, what they normally do. It. No, I would keep it. No, 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 no. There's a few judges in there. No, no, Your no. You no, don't no. go in excess. So you stay under. You have you always stay on the show like that, and then they just go one under.
1: Yeah. No, maybe. I'm giving you that cake. I'm giving you that cake. Don't be scared because he's the boss. Honestly, honestly,
3: Mr. Big Shot. He wants to go. He wants to go. Wait
4: a
1: second. You obviously
4: aren't paying enough. Yeah. He's not
3: chasing just Jer's job. He's chasing Pat Kenny's job. That boy over there. I tell you, honestly.
1: <laughs> uh, so the correct answer is 145, Kev at 110, Keith at 35. On to the final. The true or false rapid fire round. Uh, Kev, you're officially out of uh, <laughs> contention here. But we'll see if, we, if you can add some uh, respect to your scoreline. We're going to give you five questions each. All the answers are true or false. Right. So uh, Kev, you're uh, treading behind. We're going to go with you first. Yeah. So uh, five true or false questions. So true or false. Jack Wilshire is currently injured.
2: <laughs> oh, geez, <laughs> horrendous.
1: True. Correct. Deaton Bong place for Huddersfield. False. Correct, Brighton. The 2018 Champions League final took place in Cardiff. 2018? False. Correct, it was Kiev. Colombia were knocked out of last year's World Cup by England. True. Correct. And Norwich City are top of the Championship. True. False. No. It's Leeds. Please so you got four, Kev. Pretty respectable. Bollocks. Uh, Keith, you're coming second. You probably need to get all five here to put the pressure on Jarre. True or false? Manchester United are the last English Champions League winners. False. Correct. Chelsea. Cameroon are reigning Africa Cup of Nations champions. True. Correct. Karabag are a football club based in Kazakhstan. False. Correct. Azerbaijan. Kevin Kilban finished his career at Coventry City. True. Correct. Greece won Euro 2000. Was it 2000? Need an answer. Need an answer. Need an answer. False. Correct. You got five out of five. Putting the question G- on Jur. So you're on twelve now, Jur. You're on nine. You need four oh, to win.
0: Shit, really? I thought I was like my head.
1: And I need you to win because I haven't written a tiebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> True or false? Brian Clough is Burton Albion manager. False. Correct. It's Nigel. Derby County play at the City Ground. False. Correct. Goodison Park. Good. Pep Guardiola is reigning Premier League manager of the season. Need an answer? False. Wrong, it's true. Brilliant. Benjamin Pavard will join Manchester or Bayern Munich at the end of the season. True. Correct. And to win it, Bayern Munich are top of the Bundesliga. False. Correct. Oh, Dortmund Jura wins dude. by a
5: point. A0, it, it. it with your 137.
1: <laughs> you hold the honour of uh, being the least stupid member of Team Off the Ball this week. That's what it says in my script. I didn't write this. The Krabby Craze is back here right on Snapchat every single week. Do follow us and stay tuned for more. Boom. For
0: So if you like this you'll probably also like OTVAM Ireland's only sports breakfast show. Subscribe to the OTVAM podcast stream or catch the show live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook or offtheball.com every morning from 7:45 a.m.